Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. there um we're changing things up just a little bit today to um to make way um to have a short discussion um and so we thought we'd uh break things up a bit uh we're going to introduce the room and tell you everybody who's here and uh then we're going to um discuss uh, the passing of mary tam then we'll follow that up with news and then on into our main topic so uh bear with us as we uh change things up a little so let me introduce who's on audio today. Joining us, it's Kobo4747. Hello, Kobo. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Glad to have you along. Glad to be here. Also joining us, Davros1179 is here. Hello, Davros. Take me to your leader. <laughs> it's him over there, the guy with the wine. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Ian? I'm good, I'm good. Also joining us, it's Jeff, the seventh doctor. Hello, sir. Yogurt. Yogurt. I hate yogurt, even with strawberries. <laughs> may the sh- Schwartz be with you. <laughs> good to have you along. Glad to be and, here. <laughs> and on the phone, it's Cuddly Ken. Hello, Ken. How are you doing? Where this podcast flies, we won't need wheels. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great today. How are you, Ian? Good, good, good. And last but not least on audio is Mr. Tim Jury. Hello, Tim. Uh, Hello, Ian. Coming to you on the phone for change. Uh They're phoning it in, folks. They're just phoning it in. (laughs) We're just phoning it in. All right, that's all that's on audio. Now, let's see who's under the cone. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout. 
in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And we're using the, um, the, the large cone today uh, because it's quite full. Uh, joining us under the cone are Willis Girl, mystery presenter, the third doctor. Well, there's uh, three doctors in here now. Sean59 is also here. Randall Thor is there. Hello, Mike. Cybob is joining us. Logan is here. And so is Mr. Darth Skeptical. He's docking, I think. <coughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so that's who is joining us today. Thank you all for coming along. And uh, um, yes, as I said at the beginning of the show, we decided to change things up a little because it's it's very difficult to go from uh, what we're about to discuss and straight into a, a, a topic, which is all comedy. So we thought we'd kind of break things up a little bit and uh, talk about the, the, the passing of Mary Tam first before heading off into the news. So... I will hand over to Dave. Yes, he, he thinks I'm near to the dead, so he's giving me the... Uh, <laughs> sorry, so, um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't make a laugh. Yes, uh, unfortunately, we've had... Um, uh, in fact, there are actually two deaths, but we'll mention the more recent one uh, uh, in the news section, if if you'll allow us to do so. But um, Mary Tam, of course, uh, a Doctor Who companion uh, with the fourth Doctor, uh, Mary Tam played Romana, became known as Romana One once we had a uh, set Romana, but the lady herself, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, sadly, was only 62, born in the uh, 22nd of March, 1950, blimey, only a few months after my own wife was born, uh, and sadly died just recently, 26th of July, after um, a battle with cancer. So she was born in Dewsbury, Yorkshire, graduated from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, as the net lets us know. Um, and then she joined, um, she graduated from the Royal Academy of Art and acted with the Birmingham Repertoire Company and lots of stage roles, including Amanda in Private Lives and so on. Um, she was also in the film version of Lightly Lads, made appearances on Coronation Street in the file and she joined Doctor Who in the role of. Uh, can you say that name for me, Ian? <laughs> Romana Veratla. Oh well, God, I can't even say. It. I just put my teeth in. Veratna <laughs> Lunda. <laughs> Romana Veratna Lunda. Well done, Alfred for short. Uh, alongside Tom Baker, of course, for the 16th year of the show, which revolved around the search for the key to time. So during that time, she had a chance to play another character in the form of the identical Princess Strella in the Androids of Taro, not to mention the versions of both. Okay, of course, it was Lala Ward that took over to be Romana 2. So there's an awful lot there, and I have put the link in the room from the Doctor2news.net. Uh, always sad that we've had, uh, I mean, it's only recently that we lost Carolyn John, and, of course, uh, amazingly, now about 15 months since we've lost Liz Sladen. So it really is, um, you know, a very, very difficult time. This is to be expected, I suppose, because of um, the fact that Doctor Who has run for nearly 50 years with the 50th anniversary coming up uh, November of next year. So um, that's just a little bit of background. Now, 
I'm going to go to Ken, if I may, first, uh, and let's see what people have of thoughts, either as a role in Doctor Who, or uh, any, any other knowledge or uh, meetings of uh, these people that uh, they can refer back to. Ken? Yes. Uh, this is getting sadder and sadder as the anniversary approaches that we keep losing part of our Doctor Who family. Um, Mary Tam only played Romana for one season, but to my mind, she's there as one of the best companions ever. Classy, elegant. She was like the Rita Hayworth of Doctor Who. Elegant. And her sparring with Tom Baker was an utter delight. She gave as well as she got. Those looks on his face as she would just engage in such witty repartee back to him, back and forth, putting him in his place, not in a negative way, but as an equal, and always with good nature and wit. And through all the episodes, Ribos Aberration, Pirate Planet, Stones of Blood, Androids of Terra, Power of Crawl, and Armageddon Factor, um, the character progressed. She, unfortunately, from all that was written, thought her part was reverting to just an average screamer or just general stand-around companion, not as an equal. Um, so she left the show, sadly, after uh, one series. Not to take anything away from Lala Ward, but always remember her fantastic entrance in that beautiful white dress with the uh, fluffy marabou ruff, that amazing purple outfit she wore, and just her whole attitude of strength and elegance and utter class in the part. Um, well, let, let me let me just stop you there, Ken, because I should really have played that little intro before I went to you. So let me play that first arrival of Romana into the world of Doctor Who. Fantastic. I'm so sorry, Ken. I'm the holidays off. Doctor. That's the new assistant. My name is Romana Varadna Lunda. I'm so sorry about that. Is there anything we can do? The President of the Supreme Council sent me. I was told to give you this. What's this? According to my instructions, it's the Court of the Key of Time. Ah. Very exciting, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it must be for someone as young and inexperienced as you are. I may be inexperienced, but I did graduate from the Academy with a triple first. I suppose you think we should be impressed by that, too. Well, it's better than scraping through with 51% at the second attempt. That information is confidential. That president. I should have thrown him at the Santana's when I had the chance. Oh, do you want to know how that works? I know how it works. You have to plug it into your TARDIS controls, just that. Oh, ho. What's a hole doing in my TARDIS? I'll put it there. You! You put a hole in my TARDIS? Never mind, old girl. Never mind. I'll still have it fixed. When plugged into the control console, the core indicates the space-time coordinates of each segment of the... Oh. 
that's clever. That's very clever. Ah, 4180. I'll look up those coordinates. Sure, there's no need. Well, don't you want to know what planet it is? I know. Serenis Minima. Oh. It's a matter of experience, is it? Yes, of course. What else does it do? Well, it locates a segment at close range once we've landed on the appropriate planet. Ah, uh -huh. well, that could be very useful. And then, when it's brought into contact with the disguised segment, it converts it back into its proper form. What would you like me to do? Well... I'd like you to stay out of my way as much as possible and try and keep out of trouble. I don't suppose you can make tea. Tea? Yeah, no, I don't suppose you can. They don't teach you anything useful at the Academy, do they? It's nice hearing Tom again as well with that clip. Uh, anyway, back to Ken. Yeah, that that uh, showed a great example of uh, their initial sparring that she's great at the put-downs for the fourth Doctor, but as the character continues, there's a warmth and camaraderie and the equal footing she has as a companion um, hasn't been equaled in, in, until the introduction of River Song um, years later. So she's singular uh, among the companions, and her appearance in the interlocking series of Key to Time makes her part of Romana even more special. Um, amazing actress. She uh, continues to do some wonderful work for Big Finish. And evidently, uh, before her passing, she did record some audio plays for Big Finish with Tom Baker. I think she is also playing uh, Romana uh, in those. So that's really good news that we get part of that legacy left. And that's about it. Um, so sad. She'll be so missed. And she was wonderful. Okay. Uh, well, let's go to uh, Tim. I don't think Tim could stay on the phone long. And then we'll go to Jeff after, if we can. Tim? Yeah, um, I've been lucky enough to meet Mary Tam a couple of times. And the most recent was, uh, I think, 2009. She was at, um, at the Fab Cafe. So you'd have been there as well, Dave. Yes, I've got a clip of that. Yeah, and, that's the um, one when you came she, over here, yeah. Yeah, and um, she was um, promoting her book at the time, First Generation, and I got uh, a signed copy of her book that day. And it 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 it's it's the whole Liz Sladen thing all over again, where you see someone and you think it's, it just seems a little unreal that they're gone. <laughs> You look back at bits of video and photographs and that that you've shot of them in recent years, and you think, well, they, they did look even ill to me. But um, um, yeah, I mean, she was she was always very good value at conventions and had good tales to tell. And uh, I'd recommend people buy her book because she had quite an interesting career even before Doctor Who. She was in films and theatre and that, and. Uh, has a lot of um, interesting tales to tell of how she sort of climbed the acting ladder and that. Not, not really got a great deal more to add than that. Okay, well, l let me just uh, play the clip that I recorded at the Fab Cafe. Uh, I think my, cam uh, my main recorder had stopped by then. Um, 
but uh, so the audio quality is not that good. I'm sure, he, actually, Tim, you've probably got some better recordings of her at the event. This was the first time yeah. Fab Cafe came to Manchester. Uh, it, this was, would you believe it, uh, Tim? That, that was May 2009, so that's over three yeah, years ago. There's, there's, there's some footage on my YouTube, so if people do, if t- people type Mary Tam and T. Drury into YouTube, they should find something. Oh, good. Right. Well, this is about a minute and a half. I apologise in advance for the audio. It's not that brilliant. Um, so you started in Dr. Oberdeen in 1977. When you got the part of Doctor Who, did you think it would affect your life? I didn't get the part of Doctor Who. I wouldn't have, but I got the part for a moment. Yeah. Let's not go there, though. If, Drop off, but um, 
we'll we'll move to Jeff, the seventh doctor, now, if we may. Romana was uh, Mary Tam was the fifth companion that uh, I was knew of uh, when I was watching Doctor Who as a kid, and of course I had Sarah, Harry, Leela, and K9 before. Uh, seeing Mary Tam as Romana. And I, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but as a kid, I didn't like the character. I thought she was stuffy, confrontational, uh, kind of dull. Um, and I just didn't care for the character. But uh, about seven years ago, I purchased the Key to Time um, stories on DVD and hadn't seen them in probably 20 years or maybe a little bit longer than that. And I rewatched them, and I, being an adult at that time, I could pick up on uh, the greatness of her character, uh, the interactions she had with Tom Baker as the doctor. And uh, I, it was like rewatching or seeing those new those episodes as new and seeing the character as new. And I really enjoyed her portrayal as Romana. Uh, and I, I liked the fact that she could uh, confront the doctor and was an equal mind to, to him. And even though she was inexperienced, she brought some freshness in uh, to the relationship between companion and doctor, and they were more on equal footing. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, never met the the actor i don't know what she played in uh in other shows or movies or on stage or anything like that so i really don't know her background very well but uh just watching those stories again um on dvd uh really changed my opinion of of the character and the actress and uh, i i really enjoyed it and I really don't have much else to say on, on the topic. It's, it's very sad to see another uh, Doctor Who actress um, pass away, uh, especially with the anniversary is coming up, as Ken mentioned, and I'm going to miss her. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, the, the link I put in the room there to the photo book, it's like, and actually pictures from the, I think, the second place, but it gives you an idea of what the venue's like, how packed it was, and how claustrophobic. In fact, the lighting was better on the second one. I think, like Tim, I think none of the photos really came out very well of the ones that um, I did for the, the first event. Um, Ian, the um, the Romani Your Sulking clip. Mm-hmm. Should I play that next? Sure. Here we go. It's, it's, it's a nice example. Sorry. I'm it's got what? No, it's what? Can, no, continue on. Continue on. I'll talk about it after. <laughs> You're sulking. I'm not sulking. That's ridiculous for somebody as old as you are. I'm not old. What? 759. 756. That's not old. It's just mature. You've lost count somewhere. Well, I only know my own age. Yes, but after the first few centuries, I expect things get a bit foggy, don't they? It's no good. This isn't going to work. Doctor, you're not giving me a chance. Funny, you know, but before I met you, I was even willing to be impressed. Indeed. Oh, yes. 
Of course, now I realize that your behavior simply derives from a subtransitory experiential hypertoid-induced condition, aggravated, I expect, by multi-encephalogical tensions. What's that supposed to mean? Well, to put it very simply, Doctor, you're suffering from a massive compensation syndrome. Is that the sort of rubbish they're pouring into your head at the Academy? Do you know, I might even use your case in my thesis. I'll I show you it. whether I'm suffering from a massive compensation syndrome. And you're not going back to Gallifrey, not for a long time yet, I regret to say. Read out those coordinates again. 4940, vectors unchanged. Same as before. Distance? 116 parsecs. 116 parsecs. Must be the planet of Rebos. If it changes again while we're in the vortex, we could lose it. On the other hand... Oh, take a chance. I'll make the decisions here. Well, what shall we do? We'll take a chance. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the thing I love about that clip is, is just her showing off her intellect and, and just not, not having any of his carry-on. <laughs> but continue on around the room. Okay, Jeff, have you finished? Sorry, I didn't know I, you were going to come back to me, Well, no, I, I, I wasn't sure that you finished. Cobo, you, can you mute Cobo a minute, Ian, while we, before we get there? I figured you'd go to Cobo next. <laughs> I, I, um, I didn't have anything else to say, Dave, so if you okay, well, want to move okay, on we'll to someone to, else. We'll go to Cobo then. Um, Cobo? Yeah, I love the key to time stories. Romano was a wonderful companion. I don't know if she's the only companion that stood toe-to-toe with the doctor, like Ken said, because I think Sarah Jane gave as good as she got as well, but that's infinitely debatable. Lovely, lovely actress. Can't wait for the big finish stuff. Because she made a much better Romana than Lila Ward. Sorry to any Lila Ward fans out there, but it's the truth. Um, she will be sadly, sadly missed. I loved her. And it's sad to see another part of our Doctor Who family go. Can't really say much more than that. Okay. Thank you, Cobo. Okay. Um, can you just mute Cobo for a bit until we come back round the room again, Ian, please? Okay. We're just taking um, a little bit of background noise there, Cobo. We'll get to you uh, right after the news. Kim? Okay. Okay, Davros. Oh, is he still on the phone? He lost his audio. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe it, would you? His, well, his look, bath chair lost his audio. Uh, just, just in case uh, it, uh, they're on the way back, let me um, play. Uh, jumping rather quickly, I must admit, <laughs> but to her last appearance uh, oh, on did, Doctor did Who. A, did the Fred one? Huh? What about Fred? Would you want to leave that? I ain't got one. I ain't got one called Fred. What? You, you don't have one for Fred? Oh no. You David, David, David. David. Yes, I. You do. must have put it in Dropbox after I closed Dropbox. I thought it was the first one I put up. Anyway. Enough arguing. Here's, <laughs> here's this one.
<laughs> Fresh. It's bitter. Can't stand the cold, stay out of the freezer. Which way? What? Well, you've got the call. Oh, yes. Through there. It's a strong signal. Good. Now, pay attention. I'm not anticipating any trouble, but it's as well to be prepared for these things. Ground rules. Rule one. Do exactly as I say. Rule two, stick close to me. And rule three, let me do all the talking. Is that perfectly clear? You couldn't make it clearer. Good. One more thing. Your name. What about my name? It's too long. By the time I've called out, look out. What's your name? Romana Dvaratna Lunda. By the time I've called that out, you could be dead. I'll call you Romana. I don't like Romana. It's either Romana or Fred. All right, call me Fred. Good. Come on, Romana. <laughs> Love that clip. And as <laughs> if you heard the clip end, Davros is back. Oh, we're just going to go to you, Davros. Uh, not that you caught that clip and uh, you're ready to go straight off. Uh, I didn't. I apologize. I'm having terrible audio trouble today. Uh, so I did not catch that clip. It's okay. Have you any thoughts about clips. Mary Tan and the the part she played in Doctor Who? The person uh, the I, I do. Uh I I love Mary Tam. Um she she is Romana to me. Um I mean, Lala Ward, she was she was fun to watch. She was great, but uh I think Mary Tam was a far superior uh time lordish type character. Uh she was absolutely gorgeous. Um even as uh, a young man, when I watched her, uh, I had a I had a little Romana crush. Uh, when I saw her in that white dress, uh, she was uh, stunning. Uh, she was great against Tom. Um, just she was she was the perfect character for him at the time. The you know a lot of people don't care for the Key to Time series uh, because of some accuse of dragging out things like that. But I think uh, the way that Tom and her played it together. Uh, made it worth watching, regardless of the the plot kind of dragging out sometimes. And 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 she was wonderful. I'd love to see her uh, go on. Understand why she didn't, but yeah, she was absolutely perfect. I've listened to some of her audio stuff. I most recently listened to her autobiography that she narrates herself uh, through Audible, and uh, she she does that. She sounds like she sounded 20, 30 years ago. It's it's amazing, and she will definitely be missed. So, uh, where do you put as your companions then? Right at the top. Uh, I'd put her probably number two, right under uh, Carolyn John of Liz Shaw. She was my number one favorite, so I'd put Mary Tan probably in number two. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, I'm just looking around the room. Unfortunately, we have got quite a lot of other people. Not unfortunately, we've got them in the room, but unfortunately, they're not on audio to 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 make their thoughts. The only thing I I want to add is that yeah I I certainly preferred the first incarnation of Romana to the second. Uh, you're quite right though, uh, Jeff. I think listening back to that first clip, I hadn't realised how um, you know uh, perceived perceived English she was speaking. If that's the right way of putting it, you know, uh, her elocution and that it it, it didn't seem that for want of a better word, stuck up, that it sounded when I just listened to it earlier today. Um, but I did prefer her uh, in the role, certainly. Uh, I just must mention that um, if, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, a while back I put um, 
a picture, one of my old wedding pictures up with myself uh, and my wife just married uh, Marilyn in the car. And uh, Taras Natishan, many of you will know Taras as one of the correspondents for Doctor Who Podshock. As soon as he saw that, he says, my God, you married Romana. Because uh, (laughs) Mal has a very similar face, facial shape and look and dark hair. And she had her hair all in ringlets for the wedding. So it was the same colouring and look and so on. He married Romana. It was quite chuffed and pleased with that. And of course, they were uh, very contemporary in terms of age and uh, what have you. It might have been even a subconscious influence. You never know, do you? So, but I haven't got a lot to to, to actually say. Um, we have talked about Maritam not in as great a detail as we have, of course, of uh, some of the others' losses. And I don't think that is any criticism. It, it's just a a, um, a fact that we haven't got as many people in audio, unfortunately. Uh, Darth, yes, I'm going to name and shame Darth and <laughs> and uh, Mike and Willie Skirl and Cy Bob and Enterprise who and Mr. Presenter. Uh, if you had been on audio, then we would have given you the opportunity to um, give your thoughts and mentions of it. But um, I think I'll go and play um, the last appearance clip and then we'll see if anybody else wants to just come back on what they said before. Here we go. You see, I think of everything. Doctor? Hmm? What exactly have you done with the key to time? Key to time? Oh, well, I just scattered it around through space and time. I see. So where are we going? Going? I don't know. You have absolutely no sense of responsibility whatsoever. What? You're capricious, arrogant, self-opinionated, irrational, and you don't even know where we're going. Exactly. What? Well, if I knew where I was going, there'd be a chance the Black Guardian would, too. Hmm? Hence, this new device. What is it? Uh, well, it's called a uh, randomizer, and it's fitted to the guidance systems and operates under a very complex scientific principle called potluck. Now, <laughs> oh, no one knows where we're going. Not even the Black Guardian. Not even us. And you can see by then she'd sort of settled well into the part, much... Completely different, really, to that first one. And, of course, Ian wants to really have his say now, then. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, like Lois, I don't have an awful lot to say. I mean, she was... Uh, I mean, one of the problems, too, is she was in the show um, for such a short amount of time. Um, but, like everyone else has said, especially that white dress, the first, her first episode, she made an, uh, an impression. Uh, I, I, it's one of those iconic images, her in that white dress... Um, which I believe she helped um, uh, design and create, uh, which is just fantastic. It's a beautiful dress on an a extremely beautiful woman. Um, and, again, it was great to have uh, the Doctor traveling with um, another Time Lord. Um, you know, we hadn't really seen that. You know, we'd seen the occasional Time Lord here and there, but here he is traveling with one. And, and uh, I, I think... I think she filled out the role perfectly. Um, she gave that kind of air of superiority, really, to the Doctor, and 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 wore it well. And uh, you know, she's one of those. It, 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 again, you know, just like Caroline John, you know, they were only in the role a, a year, yet the the impact, um, you know, 
of them having been in the show uh, lives on. You know, all Doctor Who fans know Romana, you know, one and two, and you know, um, it's just like everyone else has said. You know, I end up basically repeating what everyone else has said. It's 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 a sad time at the moment that we seem to be losing so many people and uh, the really sad thing is some way before they ought to be going uh, 62 is just way too early to go and uh, yeah um, it's all quite sad that uh, I mean for a very very um a selfish reason for me, it's uh, these are people I'm never going to get to see at a convention. Um, I never get to, to think, you know, gone is that opportunity. You know, I've only started really being able to go to conventions with guests and, and stuff. And uh, and it's just, you know, one person that I won't get to say hi to. So, um, Dave, quick. <laughs> <laughs> I just bring up the uh, the picture that I was talking about that Tara Statistician noticed. I, I'm not sure whether anybody can see it or whether you have to be a friend or a friend of a friend. It's too long to read out, but it's um, it's a, a Facebook page picture from uh, you know from ancient history on the day I got married. And uh, if you look at that picture, you may see a little bit of a, a resemblance to Romana or Mary Tam on that picture. Okay, um, well. I think what we will do is, um, unless somebody wants to just leap in, um, I think perhaps we are going to go to the news as soon as we've done this. Maybe we ought to separate out from the news the other sad death and include it here, perhaps. Right. Um, before we go into that, uh, the third doctor uh, uh, just put into the chat, Mary Tam was beautiful, smart, classy, and elegant. She brought all of these qualities to the show. Thank you for that. That was lovely. And also, uh, Davros1179 just put a, a link into the chat. Um, a, a picture of Mary Tam appearing with TARDIS. So if you uh, you can uh, look at the show notes on this on uh, with uh, Chat Grabber. Just put in the show ID and, uh, and pick this show date, isn't it, Dave? That's how you do it. Yeah, well, yes, you, uh, you, well, you put the call ID number and then find episode 161, and you can uh, find it. And I've just put a clean link in there. Uh, that's without the other text, so you can go straight to it. And that's a picture of her standing in front of the TARDIS with the, um, with the white dress on and the sort of uh, cape with the sort of ostrich feathers, yeah. And just so unsuitable for for that planet, <laughs> yeah. Already, before I okay, get going, well, um, before uh, I start going uh, again, <laughs> yeah. I mean, rather rather than include it as news, let's oh. just mention that we we've just suddenly heard as again of uh, another person who acted in Doctor Who. That's Jeffrey Hughes, born in 1944, to and uh, just died obviously this last few days. Um, he played Mr. Popplewick in The Ultimate Foe, a story which comprised the final two episodes of the Trial of the Time Lord series. Uh, Popplewick was in fact the identity used by the Valyard whilst in The Matrix. Uh, but um, people will mainly know him, I think, from uh, other TV appearances. Um, uh, have we got Tim on, still on the phone? Are you still there, Tim? 
Tim? Yes, still here, Dave. Well, you said in the papers uh, that Jeffrey Hughes, he was mainly, the, the, when they were reporting his death, it was mainly other appearances that they were coming upon, wasn't well, it? Well, I'm not, not a Coronation Street fan myself, but I gather he he was in Coronation Street for several years. Yeah. There's a character called Eddie Yates. Uh, let me read out this bit, actually. Um, I used to watch Coronation Street with my parents growing up, and so I was quite familiar with him from that before, you know, of course, he ever appeared in Doctor Who. Uh, in 1974, he was cast as Bin Man Eddie Yates in, a, in the long-running soap uh, Coronation Street. Over the next nine years, uh, he became, with Stan Ogden, uh, played by uh, Bernard Ewens, a foil to Stan's long-suffering wife, Hilda. Many fans still regard these performances as a high point of the series. He left the series in 1983, making a brief final return appearance in 1987 as part of Hilda's departure from the series. In recent years, uh, he had been offered to return to the show, uh, but had declined. Um, so, yeah, I, I, as soon as he appeared in Doctor Who, that's, uh, I'm like, oh, it's 88. <laughs> yeah, we were good, a good double act, um, him, uh, 88 and, and Stan Ogden. Um, they're fantastic together. Uh, another great actor who we sorely missed, um, as, as people are putting in the chat now, on the slow from uh, Keeping Up Appearances, which, again, yeah, fantastic in that as well. So Again, it's just, you know, it's not a good week. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's very sad to hear all these stories. Uh, and I've just been... Uh, Thank you for some. Uh, was it Jeff Seven Doctor has put? Uh, yes, you can see why people would see that. I'm just going back to the picture that I posted, and it was actually Eric Escamar. That's Bullet Thirty Three that said that, not um, Parasitician. Um, you married. You married Romana. Fantastic. Okay, but uh, yes, uh, sad news. Hopefully, it will be many, many months and weeks before we have to. Uh, take uh, time out to acknowledge uh, you know, uh, a person from Doctor Who. And of course, as always, uh, we, we should remember that this is a personal tragedy for her family um, rather than just for us as fans of a, a particular show series. So it is always a family tragedy. And uh, I'd echo as well what was said before that uh, hopefully we still, I think it was Kobo that said, we've still got hopefully some audio of hers to uh, catch in here. But I'm not too sure whether anybody has been able to find out whether the second part of her book came out or not. Perhaps right. that's something we can uh, have a little look. I haven't read all the way down to the bottom there. Yeah, it, it just says here, uh, the first volume of our autobiography, First Generation Fathom Films, was published in 2009. And um, let me see, there is a link to her... her um, Oh yeah, that's a nice picture. I put a link into her own website. Very easy one to remember. It's www.marytam or one word dot com, and um, there's a, a lovely picture of her there on the front of that. It only seems to have a, well, some lovely pictures of her on there, by the way. So while people have a little peruse of that, uh, is there anybody else who wanted to come back? Uh, either a final thought on that or, of course, this other sad death that we've just been talking about, Jeffrey Hughes. 
I suppose people like Jeff and that may well not have come across um, that. And I don't know whether these people have, whether you've seen the Ultimate Foe or, uh, well, you will have seen Trial of the Time Lord, surely. And Kobo wants to come back in, Ian. Okay. There you go, Kobo. I I loved Unslow as a character. I mean, he just made keeping up appearances what it is. And it's just really, really sad to lose all these people within a calendar year. I mean, Nicholas Courtney, Liz Sladen. Good God, I mean... We've lost so many people this year that it's ridiculous. Yep. yep, it is. Certainly is. Yes. In fact, I think again, uh, we, we, I think Mary Tam again. It was it was reported that Mary Tam was quite depressed about losing, you know, friends of her own group. She was seeing it as you know a sign of. Uh, you know, a, an age was over because, of course, she was contemporary with uh, Liz Slade and so on, and uh, Carolyn John. Okay, uh, Ian, I think we ought to perhaps try and draw a line under it if we can. Always yeah. sad to do so. Um, yeah. uh, and maybe, um, I'm not too sure other than myself who had news. I think Jeff had news, so if we can sort of try and change gear somewhat. Yep. And uh, um, ask... again, we thank you all for yep. sorry. Go on. No, you go ahead, Ian. Yeah, we yeah, we thank you everybody for showing up today to 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 uh, to pay their respects and uh and uh yeah, so we will uh move on with the rest of the show and we'll uh move into our new segment oh. and uh here to bring us into the news is the typing monkey. <laughs> No typing monkey, go! Hooray! Well done. <laughs> All right, it's a fight to the death. Who gets to go first on news? Dave or Jeff? Jeff, let's go with Jeff. BBC America here in the United States is going to be airing some specials for Doctor Who in the month of August. And they're going to be showing four of them on... Uh, progressive Saturday, starting on Saturday, August the 4th at 9 o'clock Eastern. And they have uh, announced the titles of these specials. The first one on August 4th will be The Science of Doctor Who, in which they'll explore the real-life science behind the biggest concepts and most iconic ideas in the incredible Doctor Who universe. And they're going to follow that up with The Women of Doctor Who on August 11th, The Timey Wimey of Doctor Who on August 18th, and The Destinations of Doctor Who on August 25th. And something uh, that I really like that they're doing, and I hope this translates over into the specials themselves, they've put up some promotional photos for these four specials. And they've done specials in the past, and these specials have mainly, in the last two years, they've mainly concentrated on 
Matt Smith and the people, the companions that have been with him over these past couple of years, they really haven't delved into prior years very much. But these promotional photos for these new specials, uh, the first one has uh, David Tennant from The Planet of the Dead, uh, and it has a quote on, it, on the photo, I was tracking a hole in the fabric of reality called a, a hobby. The second one has Iris, uh, Idris rather, from The Doctor's Wife, and it says, I wanted to see the universe, so I stole a Time Lord and I ran away. The third one goes back to David Tennant again. It has a promotional uh, photograph of him, and the, uh, the quote for that one is five words, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. And then the last one has Matt Smith in it. Uh, and the quote for that one in the photo is, All of time and space, everywhere and anywhere, every star that ever was, where do you want to start? So it does kind of look like they may be going back to years before Matt Smith with these specials. And that really excites me because I, I think they just concentrated too much in these specials the last couple of years on just Matt Smith and those years. I agree. Ah, uh, but wouldn't it be wonderful if they even went further back? But uh, even a mention. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome if they would do that. Uh, no, they don't have Christopher Eccleston uh, in these promotional photos at all. Uh, it would be nice to hear something from that first series. And also, back to the prior, uh, the, the original classic series, uh, it would be very nice to have mentions there as well, because I don't think they ever did that with any of the other specials. Uh, they they did have few references to prior year, prior years to Matt Smith in the specials the last couple of years, but not much at all. Yeah, they could show the scene from The Next Doctor and yeah. just at least make a mention. That would be good. So I'm kind of excited to this, and uh, they they say that they're this is all leading up to the beginning of the seventh series uh, to be shown on BBC America, and I'm kind of hoping, and I've not seen anything uh, in relation to this uh, coming from BBC America, but I'm hoping that uh, the last special, the destinations of Doctor Who on August 25th, will be the lead up on the same night to. Uh, series 7 premiere. And that's my news. Okay. Uh, while you've been doing that, I've just been trying to find out about Mary Tam and the, the second book, which I haven't, but on her page, marytam.com, uh, AJ has um, a, a list of all her professional credits and appearances, and, and uh, an extensive list it is Holby City and Crime Traveller, if uh, anybody remembers that science fiction series, Coronation Street, The Bell, Heartbeat, um, Poirot, uh, Only When I Laugh, um, lots and lots of things, film credits as well, The Lightning Ads, um, uh, and stage things that she's been on. So, um, you know, a, a, quite a, a large body of work there. But uh, back onto the other other news. Um, First of all, uh, let me say that um, the 
Olympic Games, which is underway here in the UK, just had its uh, very large opening ceremony on the Friday evening. Uh, ran for ooh, about three hours with all the 204, 205 countries coming into the event. And um, there was uh, uh, one exciting glimpse of Doctor Who, but some disappointments as well. During the course of it, um, the sound of the TARDIS materialising could be heard. But apparently there should have been more and there was additional footage that actually didn't make into the thing because, of course, the event, I suppose, they'd timed it on the dress rehearsal and it was getting too long. They'd had to cut out uh, references to Doctor Who and references to Monty Python. Um, according to uh, this information on the DoctorWhoNews.net, uh, the additional segment to fe- was to feature a video montage accompanying a theme tune um, and I believe that was a montage of the 11 Doctors. Edward Russell clarified that. A video montage which very briefly showed all 11 Doctors and was approved, but we were told it may not be included, which clearly was the case. Um, so um, that was exciting. I think a lot of people's ears pricked up when they, they heard it, but it was sad that that was all that we, we uh, got for that. Um, and um, in a slightly related item, uh, because this was the Olympic Games opening, uh, there's another piece of news about 50th anniversary stamps. The Royal Mail is to release a set of stamps for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. What's the connection? He said, has David really lost it this time? No, I was just reading an article about uh, the Olympics, and apparently a lot of uh, athletes from different countries are getting cash bonuses if they win a gold medal for their country. Uh, France and one or two other countries are offering you know, uh, cash prizes to people who get gold medals. What do they get? Any UK person who wins a gold medal, what do they get? They get a stamp. Yes, they get a stamp uh, designed uh, which they will appear on. So there is the connection. And one more piece of news, and that is that it has now been confirmed that for August the 2nd, uh, the UK trailer of the upcoming series of Doctor Who. BBC have confirmed the first official television trailer for Doctor Who's next series. It will air on Thursday the 2nd of August around 8pm on BBC One hopefully on BBC One HD 2, with a repeat the following week. The trailer forms part of a series of promotions for shows that form the latest original British drama campaign that will run throughout the London Olympics. And I should just say, it's only uh, the day before the Olympics that uh, they ended up showing that drama that uh, Matt Smith was on, the, uh, the Olympic rowing drama that I think I mentioned that he was uh, going to be on. I'm trying to remember the name of the other cast. It was Bert and somebody in the um, 1948 Olympic boat racing. And I think that's all the items of news I've got. I'm not even sure whether anybody else on audio did have news. Or is there anything for you to read out from the uh, room, Ian? Um, well, I had a, a, a small bit of news <laughs> for anybody who's uh, who's actually seen the um, the YouTube video of my uh, of my um, baby son um, 
watching uh, the intro, uh, the outro and intro of, of Doctor Who. Um, it's been on there for a while. It's called Doctor Who Baby. Well, now we have a follow-up. It's called Dalek Toddler. Um, and the link is going in the chat right now. Uh, you'll also find it on the Colton page. And, uh, yeah, uh, basically the story behind it is uh, my... Uh, my older son, Liam, he has a, had a whole bunch of Doctor Who stuff. He had a Doctor Who backpack, and he brought it out of his room, and uh, Callum saw it, and he keeps pointing at it, and Megan tells him, oh, it's a Dalek. Now, he loves Daleks, and uh, so we watched some episodes today, and uh, brought out Liam's um, uh, uh, white and gold Dalek, and he just went nuts. So, uh, yeah. Um, we put that video up there. You can also find it's a, uh, posted to the Colton page, but it's also on YouTube as well, and I'll put the link in uh, on there. So, yes. Fun. Right, well, I've got to... I, I've been instructed to mention something else that's not Doctor-related, uh, but it is uh, about the Olympics. Um, uh, the Russell T. Davis-inspired uh, clip of the <laughs> Queen jumping out of a helicopter... Uh, no, Darth has said quite rightly, uh, we did get a very spectacular uh, f- film insert during the course of the Olympics. Hope this isn't a spoiler if people have not watched their recording yet, Tim. Um, but um, the, basically what we have is uh, Jim on the right. And But am I anybody else? Are you hearing me? Um, my audio started. I know yours is. I'm getting. This is though we might be getting break up. Okay, we will talk slowly. <laughs> You sound fine. This passes. Sound fine now? You sound fine to me. Okay. Ken, you're on the phone. Try yeah. Ken. Hello there. Oh, there just we go. You sound fine minute. now. <laughs> you were you were all broken up for there a There we bit, go. But you I think we're back good. to normal. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I was broken up when we were doing that Mary Tam thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Uh, if ever you hear us break up, Ken, if you're on the phone, please always jump in because your your audio should not be affected so much okay. being not on the PC. Okay. Okay. Um, what I was saying there, that uh, Darth said that I should mention, of course, that there was a, a spectacular video insert into the actual Olympic event. Uh, and if you haven't seen it yet and don't want to know, just uh, skip on 20 seconds or so. But basically, we saw James Bond arriving at Buckingham Palace, ushered into the room, and there we see a lady sitting at a writing desk, and it turns round, and it is the Queen. And she said, good evening, Mr. Bond. And they go out, the corgis are there, having starring roles, and it appears that James Bond, well, James Bond and the Queen do walk down the corridor, but then they appear, as it seems, out of the Buckingham Palace, climb into a helicopter. The helicopter hovers over the Olympic Stadium, and then the door opens, and the Queen skydives out of the plane, as does Bond. Uh, and then they sort of sail slightly out of the spotlight, 
and then about 10 or 15 seconds later, the Queen appears in a, a portal or doorway, uh, having, to all intents and purposes, uh, down. I'm not too sure how much she thought of it, because she had a rather sour expression on her face oh. for most of the... Uh, the course of the Olympics. Queen Every always time. looks like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Really... On the barge thing, she was smiling and really enjoying it. But I think she was probably a little bit worried about how it would be perceived. Mm, but um, And there was a marvellous, if I'm going to mention James Bond, there was a marvellous Mr. Bean uh, section uh, where they were playing the Chariots of Fire and he Can was I... apparently in the orchestra working. That, that was a really funny. I want to come on both of those. Um, I had heard about the, the James Bond thing. I didn't get to see it till last night. I uh, acquired the uh, the BBC footage because you can't trust the American footage, to be honest, because NBC screwed it up. Uh, anyway, um, but I, I, as, as good as the whole clip was, the best thing about it was the Queen turning around and saying, good evening, Mr. Bond. It's just... <laughs> And, and it wasn't an actress, it was the Queen, and she turns around, good evening, Mr. Bond. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, uh, kudos to her for, for allowing them to even do that, because, um, you know, um, I think it shows her in a, in a brilliant light. Um, I don't think she's got anything to worry about, because it, it really is really fantastic, and it's a shame they can't do that for one of the Bond movies, to be honest. Uh, but... Yeah, it was that was great. I, I rewound it, and watched it again. Um, yeah, it had uh, a tinge of uh, it had a tinge of uh, Voyage of the Damned about it, though. But no, uh, that, no, that, it was that, it was that, it was purely fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Voyage of the Damned was a bit on the hokey side because it wasn't her, and it was just uh, 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 Jim, no, this was this was this was proper proper good. This is proper good. Um, uh, yeah. Mr. Bean, like, what do you think about that? Um, well, <laughs> you had told me about it, and last night while we were watching it, um, I went and got. I saw that it was coming up, and I went and got Liam because he's a big Mr. Bean fan. And so I said, "Oh, come, you should. This is a really neat, neat song. You should listen to this. You know, this bit they're going to play." And uh, he's like looking at me like, "Whatever, you know." <laughs> and then there's Ron Atkinson at the piano. <laughs> <laughs> doing the de- 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 <laughs> keyboard, and he was he was there at the very end of that clip. Um, <laughs> he absolutely loved it, and I thought it was great too. It was a nice little nice little thing, um, and and Liam got a kick out of it. So yeah, uh, and Mr. Presenters mentioned uh, like this, the the bit at the start with the kids in the beds and the NS, NHS doctors and nurses. Yeah, there were some uh, great things. Of course, they had. Um, uh, the Harry Potter writer there, um, what's that? J.K. Rowling. Uh, yeah, J.K. Rowling there. Uh, they had lots of things. And by the way, uh, just in case she was reading people, from Peter Pan too. So Peter Pan, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and just in case there are any Americans watching there, the chap in the stovepipe hat wasn't Abe Lincoln. It was Isambard Kingdom Brunel, uh, the builder of all the engineering things in the UK, the great railways and bridges and. Uh, and so on. But uh, I must admit, when I said, I thought, who's that? Uh, and there has been some people in the UK who thought it was a bit, um, you know, uh, politically charged in as, you know, there with a downbeat, downtrodden working class while while the uh, the rich uh, uh, people just sort of admired the work 
while these poor sods toiled. But I must admit, the the, the five Olympic limb rings being forged going up into the sky, I thought that was excellent. And of course, the the really brilliant thing I thought was the way with each of the countries that came into the room, they were carrying this brass uh, flower head, as it were, and we didn't know why. And um, again, this is all spoilers if you haven't seen it. I the, not um, spoilers. <laughs> no, I, I just <laughs> okay, said Continue on. Um, <laughs> they were all connected, and they were, had this fabulous sculpture that was laid out like a displayed daisy leaf flower. Uh, and the other thing is, they, did, they didn't have Steve Redgrave. They had, oh, they had another James Bond reference, really, didn't they, with the, the footballer coming down the Thames on the uh, on the boat, the lit-up boat. Um, that was good. Um, but instead of Sir Stephen Redgrave lighting it, uh, seven Olympians handed their torches over to the next generation, and it was them that ran up and lit the uh, the flame. And then all these uh, pipes went up vertically, so the 204 flames became a single flame of the cauldron. thought that was excellently done. And uh, um, <laughs> Randolph Thor just put into the chat uh, that uh, apparently the NBC announcers uh, didn't <gasps> know who uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee was. Never. And, and I mean, I, I didn't hear it, so I don't know what the tone of, of what they were saying was, but apparently they said, yeah, um, along the lines of, um, and they're paying tribute to somebody, and uh, if you don't know who it is, neither do we. And, uh, and the other presenter said, uh, yeah, just Google it. <laughs> So I don't Shame know whether you, they, like I said, I've seen it typed. I didn't hear it, so I don't know whether they were saying it in jest. They will have got a script of the whole thing. It's been dress rehearsals. They haven't done the homework. Even if they should have known anyway. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I haven't heard it, so um, I can't really comment on But you know. <laughs> okay, Darth says they were saying it in jest, so... Oh, oh, good. Thank you. Again, that's, that's the difficulty the... with the typed word and and you know, and 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 news reports. So I don't have TV, so I've just got. Uh, Ken does I've have a quick a comment. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no information on the second Mary Tam book, uh, yay or nay, but for those that want to order her first book, and there's an accompanying audio that can be purchased it's from phantom f-a-n-t-o-m films www.phantomfilms.co.uk and i'm sure that forbidden planet and other good stores in the uk um have them but um that would be good to check out their website the book is able to be ordered plus the audio. There is a limited signed edition. I don't know if that still is available. Um, if anyone is on my Facebook page and they really want one, they can check with me, and I can always try and, if I don't have something, uh, hunt it down for you. But um, I'll keep uh, a lookout to see if there is going to be a uh, second edition coming out. And a comment on the Olympics, something I just loved when Bond is there and the Queen turns around, I'm doing the double take going, is that her or is that a really amazing actress? 
are the, is she really doing it? So that was an amazing moment. And the music is very nice. But when she leaps out of the helicopter, the parachute is a Union Jack, yay. And the Bond theme starts. And that is a cheering, amazing moment. And then the way they have whoever's doing it, if that's even a person, the way that segues into her coming out was just flawless. And yep. the the lighting of the torches, including, like you said, Dave, Beckham in the boat with the torch carrier and the wind mm. blowing and the flames going behind is something right out of a Bond film. And that looked fantastic. Yes, because it's like where, where they passed the O2 Arena, uh, they've done that in actually one of the James Bond films, haven't they? the one where they had the... The, the the one where it it j- jumped out of the water and into a balloon and then they mm. had the fight on the uh, yeah so it was really well done yeah David Beckham of course it was yeah that was great thanks um what are you talking oh, go I wanted to follow up on what Ken was saying. Um, being a librarian, I have some resources that I can look into uh, books and things like that. And I just did a search on WorldCat, which is a huge database of libraries all across the world for books. And it looks like uh, Mary Tam only released one book, the first generation, the autobiography. So I do not see a, a second book for her. That's not to say that there isn't a manuscript sitting somewhere unfinished. So That's true. Apparently, she was going to work on it. So, just if she did, and uh, how far she got, so I guess we'll find. Yeah, out I'm looking in, at uh, the Mary Tam Facebook page. There's no information there. I don't think. Right. I think it'll be it'll be a while before we hear anything. If there perhaps is. they were hoping she would recover from the illness she had, and um, uh, and maybe then complete it. Yeah, she was supposed to be at Gallifrey last year. And uh, unfortunately, I had to cancel because uh, of her illness. No one, uh, she wasn't making it public, of course. But um, <laughs> let, let me just read. I've just found the the Facebook page for for the uh, Phantom Books or Phantom Films, whatever it is. They've got a lovely picture of her there, and. Um, let me read what they put. As you can imagine, Paul and I are devastated to hear the news. Our condolences go out both to Marcus, Lauren and Max. Uh, we miss her sense of humour. Her emails, affectionately known to us as Tam Spam. And above all the gossiping, we won't half miss you. So that's, of course, her husband and her two children. Um, uh, Lauren and Max. I think those are the names of the children. And it looks like it's the same company that brought out the uh, Annika Wills ones, is it, as well? There's reference to Annika Wills on the same page, anyway. Okay, well, we're an hour and ten minutes in, and we have had very little comedy so far, so what do you think, Ian? Um, I think we should... um, Ask the general populace of the room um, to see if we want to push forward with uh, today's topic or push it on to next week. Um, so those of you in the text chat, if you're happy enough to stick around, um, we'll continue on. 
Um, we've had, uh, of course, uh, uh, some lovely comments at the beginning and uh, an awful lot of news. Um, so I'll leave it up to the audience, I think. Don't you think, Dave? <laughs> well, yeah, the, 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 the real worry is if anybody else is going to about to drop off our audio. So let, let's just have a, a, a... And those people listening to the recording later, please excuse us, but this is a live show. We can't sort of organise these things ahead of time. So... Let me just go around the room on those people. Kobo, are you all right for time on on the call at the moment? Well, while we wait to see if they get an answer, Jeff? Yeah, I'm I'm good for time. Okay, Jeff, how about yourself? I'm good for time, Dave. Okay, Davros? As long as the audio holds out, I'm good. <laughs> and, Ke- and Ken, I'm good for time. It's fine. Okay, and maybe, maybe, possibly, uh, those people who are in the room will consider coming on audio for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we, we don't need to spend a great deal of time on this. We, we, the, the only thing that, that may stretch it out somewhat is not so much uh, what, what the topic is. By the way, is top uh, ten sci-fi comedy movies as from an IO9 page list and I will put the link into the room uh, it starts at 10 and works its way up to number 1 I suppose the main thing that could take time is if we um, if we find that there are some of our favourites that have not been included I haven't really got many clips and um, I may even decide not to play any really um, it's, um, so Ian perhaps we should go on and, uh, and let's say we're at uh, let's say we finish at the 2 hour mark if we it, we may struggle even to do 40 minutes in a way. Yeah, yeah. Would you would you like to start us off with number 10 then? All right, it's 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 an interesting list. Um, again, we've uh, stolen a list from IO9. Uh, the 10 greatest science fiction comedies. Uh, it's a bit of an old one. This land of the lost is the latest cinematic attempt to combine science fiction and comedy. So uh, it's a little old the list, but hey, we don't care. It's a list. Coming in at number 10, it's Spaceballs. The particulars. Mel Brooks' Star Wars parody is uh, from his latter, weaker period, and lacks some of the wit and inspiration that made Blazing Settles and the Young Frankenstein classics. Neither Bill Pullman's uh, Han Solo character or Daphne Smogler's uh, Princess Leia are particularly memorable, uh, placing most of the comedic uh, responsibilities on the rest of the cast. Um, this... This is great. I think it's a funny movie. I don't care. Um, parodies are something to be taken, I think, uh, critically serious. Um, and it has some, some wonderful lines. Um, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Um, <laughs> jokes on the I can't breathe. Rick Moranis is, 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 is Dark Helmet. Fantastic. But let's go around the room and uh, get some comments on Spaceballs. Catch a ludicrous speed. Lovely. (laughs) Ludicrous speed. I I don't know. I I don't think I've actually ever seen this all the way through. I think I've seen it, but I was not great. Well, it's not my sort of thing, actually, but uh, uh, I'm not really a great Mel Brooks fan. Although my son loves him, he loves Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and quite a few of those other ones. But I I can't remember seeing this one. So, Jeff, uh, do you want to go? Any comments on this one? Well, I remember when this came out. I didn't see it in the theater. I think I saw it on HBO first. And 
I I just thought it was very funny. I, I'm like you, Dave. I'm not a big Mel Brooks fan, but I am a big Star Wars mm-hmm. fan, and this was obviously a a takeoff on that. And uh, I just thought it was hysterical. Uh, I think my favorite scene is where they get out the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie, and uh, put that in and and start watching it, and uh, they suddenly come to this scene where they're actually doing the the filming of that scene right then and there, and it's just hysterical, the reactions uh, to themselves uh, as they're watching the video cassette. And, uh, yeah, it was was a lot of fun, and uh, they did a lot of other uh, comedy bits from other sci-fi series like Alien and uh, Star Trek and uh, just a bunch of other sci-fi series, and it was it was a lot of fun to watch that movie. And I haven't seen it in a while, but I'd watch it again if it uh, came on TV. Okay, um, we've got uh, Mr. Presenter here, Ben. Ben, do you, do, is there any comments you want to make about the early part of the show before <coughs> you make comments on Spaceballs? You're unmuted. Right, it looks as though you may have to do something with your audio settings. Um, Jeff, can you just type in uh, text something to Mr. Presenter, please? Just say we we did try and come to them, but uh, we're not sure whether oh. they can hear us. Oh, oh um, there he is. Sorry, I didn't realize you were talking to me. Okay. Well, that's your name, Mr. Presenter? Yeah, sorry. I thought you were going to someone else first. No, I, I realised it would it it may be better to go to you first, just in case yeah. you have any comments about all that's gone on before, uh, before we get too deeply into this this theme. Um, I don't I don't know. You want to comment on all the news items or the Mary Tam item that we did before as well? Um, no. Okay, spaceballs. Have you seen it? Um, yeah. Um, I enjoyed this. Especially kind of the sliding dark face with the mask and the heavy breathing. Like the, you know, the person like playing the bad guy where he had trouble like trying to breathe. <laughs> and then also. I can't breathe in this thing! Yeah. <laughs> and also the stash, the best with the statue of Lipsy. Any more comments? I mean, I mean, on this particular one, number ten. I mean, uh, no, there's nothing else I can think of. Okay. Meanwhile, the watch. Okay, let's move to Davros then, please. Davros, any comments on Spaceballs? Uh, if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it, but otherwise. I love Spaceballs. I'm kind of disappointed it's all the way down at number 10. I think it's great. Uh, it, I've watched it probably, I'd be surprised if it's less than 50 times. It's one of my wow. favorite movies. It's it's just, it's it's funny. I don't And I don't like that they say it's Mel Brooks and his not-so-good years. I, I think it was fabulous. Uh, Rick Moranis is great. Um, I love I love all the characters, um, especially 
um, the character of Barf. He's just hilarious. So it, it's it's a great it's a great movie and a flying Winnebago. I mean, come on, how how much more fun <laughs> does it get? Vacation all the time in space. It's great and Liquid Schwartz. That's a great thing. It's it's all good. It's all good. Great movie. I I, I like you know, uh I'm half man half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting a vibe now. If you've got a child like uh, no, I won't I won't go there, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> He's never grown up, folks. He's never grown up. I don't think he'll no, no, grow up I refuse. forty either. I refuse. <laughs> the Peter Pan of science fiction. There you go. Our podcasty. Okay, uh, uh, Jeff. Then oh well, we've gone to Jeff. Sorry, Davos. Uh, Ken, Spaceballs. I won't grow up. I won't grow up. I won't grow up. Okay. Um, big Mel Brooks fan. Um, I like Spaceballs. Can't say I love it. Um, it maybe came a little too late for this big kid to really adore it. I think Hardware Wars, the Star Wars parody short, does it better. But this is saved by Rick Moranis' Dark Helmet who does have me on the floor laughing and Mel Brooks selling the space ball videos and uh, being yogurt <laughs> is wonderful. Now the things I really, really like in the movie are the little homage bits. It is worth an award just for John Hurt and the chestburster doing the bit of the Warner brothers cartoon with Michigan J. Frog coming out of his chest. That is worth everything to me. And the Planet of the Apes bit. So those two things, just, you know, I'll have that in the DVD collection just for that. But, I, you know, like they said in this, the, the, straight, the straight players are kind of dull. And I'm not a big Joan Rivers fan, for the C-3PO, a robot, even though uh, I forget if it's Shields or Yarnell that did it, one of them, uh, did the miming on that. Um, Big John Candy fan, he was really cute. But again, it's Rick Moranis and some of the smaller characters. I have the feeling about Mel Brooks with some of his films, God, I wish Gene Wilder was still along working on them. You know, uh, I always have that in the back of my mind with Men in Tights and even this. I can imagine Gene Wilder doing anything in this movie and and being incredible. But, you know, definitely a fun film and worthy of being number 10. Excellent, excellent. Okay, uh, can you unmute Kobo, Ian? We'll go to Kobo. Certainly. Um and we'll give Kobo a moment to hear that they are unmuted. So, Kobo, you're now unmuted. Spaceballs. Kobo, you're unmuted. Yeah, I was self-muted there, too. Sorry about that. Spaceballs. <laughs> what can I say about this one? A lot, actually. I've seen it like ten times. I love it. 
Especially when they're searching for the princess for the pine tooth comb. Use <laughs> <laughs> comb. So, come to the desert, sir. Comb the desert. <laughs> so, so would you agree with Sam Ross? You would, you would have thought it had been higher than number 10. Oh, absolutely. God, yes. And, like... Someone else said, I'm appalled that they said it's Mel Brooks' weaker years. I could not disagree with that statement more. I mean, it's horrible. The reviewer... The statement's horrible, not the film, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the reviewer who made that statement shouldn't have anything I mean... This is one of the favorite all-time movies. I mean... And one of my favorite scenes in the film is also when they watch the movie and they see what the <laughs> princess is doing by the power to fast-forward. <laughs> and jamming the radar <laughs> is a... <laughs> I hate Roger Jim. Lone Star. One of the greatest lions ever. Only Lone Star would do this to me. <laughs> and, and when they're doing the play on relations, you're my uncle's roommate's best friends. <laughs> Yeah, which makes which makes us absolutely nothing. My father's brother's cousin's former roommate, or something mm. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the greatest lines ever. Um, great movie all around. And of course, Moth, I'm my own best friend. <laughs> As somebody else mentioned? Yeah, Ian mentioned, yeah. It's been years since I've seen it, but it's wonderful. Okay. Ian, did you want to add anything more? Or we, does everybody have no, to I go think on? I think I had my, had my bit there. So um, maybe in the interest of expediency, we'll just have people just chime in if they want. Um, yeah. Rather Fair than enough. going around, um, especially with them. Especially with some of these films, yeah. Audio. <clears throat> right. Uh, has, has anybody um, missed on saying something about uh, Spaceballs? Why, yes. Mel Brooks almost predicted his involvement in this film with History of the World Part 1. At the very end, he has his fake clip sequence, and he does his remarkable Jews in Space number. If no one has seen that, go and watch History of the World Part 1. has some incredible bits. Vaudeville at its finest. Capital on Ice is pretty hysterical, too. Yes, it is. They, 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 were, they were supposed to do an animated follow-up to this um, 
Does anyone know if they ever did that? It was yes, shown. I, I it, thought it they saw it on shown. Netflix. To, to, to yes, honest. there's an animated series. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. I just wonder if anyone has any comments about that. I watched the first couple episodes on Netflix. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, not so good. Not so good. Well, I'll steer steer clear of that then, I guess. <laughs> well, there you yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's not very rated for it. It's like got uh, two and a half stars on uh, IMDb. <laughs> Oof. So, yeah. Ooh. They don't know what they're talking about. Dark <laughs> Worthy, as a matter of fact. No, the, the animated series did. Oh, 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 the animated. Yeah. Yes. Let's move on to nine, Ian. All right, coming in at number nine, um, Mystery Men. Uh, the film flopped. Well, actually, if anyone doesn't know, it's kind of a take uh, a take off on the or send up of the superhero genre, where. Um, the 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 big like superhero of the town or city is uh, put out of commission, and uh, so all these B list guys go help out. Or so it's been a long time since I've seen it, but here we go. The film flopped on its initial release, uh, providing yet more evidence that, as a general rule, big budget comedies just don't do very well at the box office. For all its pyrotechnics, Mystery Men is really just an alternative comedy with surprising insight into the superhero genre. If I'm being honest, Mystery Men probably does a better job at uh, deconstructing superhero conventions than the Watchmen movie does. It helps that almost everyone is perfectly cast. It's hard to imagine anyone better suited than William H. Macy for the straightforward uh, family man, The Shoveler, uh, Hank Azaria for the wannabe British uh, fop, uh, The Blue Raja, uh, Greg Kinnear for the narcissistic sellout, Captain Amazing, Ben Stiller for the irritable um, uh, Mr. Furious, or Jeffrey Rush for the ludicrously over-the-top supervillain Casanova Frankenstein. Uh, the only real mess-up is Paul Rubens as the as the spleen, uh, but I suppose it's just because he's a little too convincingly creepy. Uh, but I remember seeing this movie, um, and it's it's okay. Uh, I don't know why it's on this list, to be honest, at all, um, because it's really not worth being on this list. Not especially with the other link that you put in the room that we will look at the the box office mojo uh, dot com yeah. genres chart. I mean, when you read some of those, you wonder how this made this list. No, this but I haven't seen it. That's all I I can comment. Right. It, it shouldn't be on the list as far as I can see. Yeah. Any other comments on uh, Mystery Men? Anyone wish to speak up for it? <laughs> yeah. I've never speak saw up. it myself. Um, and definitely Spaceballs should be ahead of this film. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone thinks that it shouldn't even be on the list. Right. Yeah. Well, let's not waste time on it. Yes, never, never seen it. Yeah. All right. Um, they do say uh, also worth checking out is the special starring the always awesome Thomas Hayden Church and Paget Brewster. Uh, came out around the same time as Mystery Men. Uh, they also uh, to check out the. The, the the kids movie basically Sky High, um, which is actually better than this. And of course they list The Incredibles, which you know you just have to see. All right, moving on to number eight, and again another one that things uh, annoys me. I think IO9 make a habit of doing this. It's like if you're going to do a top whatever list, 
have one movie for each number. Coming in at number eight is Army of Darkness slash Shaun of the Dead. It's one or the other. I'm sorry. You can't do both. <laughs> Make it the top 12 or 11 or whatever you want to do. But, because uh, they're two different movies. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of both of them. It's been a long time since I saw Army of Darkness. Uh, Shaun of the Dead I've seen once. I've got it on DVD. Uh think it's fantastic. Uh, I didn't really know much about uh, Simon Pegg at the time. Um, and it's, I, I think it's a, a <laughs> just a neat send-up of the whole uh, the zombie genre, and uh, it's well worth checking out. And it deserves to be on this list, I think. Um, but putting it in tandem with Army of Darkness, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. Let them have their own numbers. For crying out loud! <laughs> And Shaun of the Dead ahead of Space Wolf? Seriously? I don't see it. Space Wolf is much, much funnier. Anyone else? This is my boomstick. (laughs) (laughs) I love Army of Darkness. Love, love, love Army of Darkness. Bruce Campbell, he's the he's the man. Oh yeah. Is Tucker and Dale versus Evil on this list? Uh, I don't know. We haven't got that far down yet. <laughs> okay, um, I'll say a few words. Army of Darkness is a great, more accessible, fun film in the Evil Dead series. I think Evil Dead Two is a better film but it's much more in the horror genre. Army of Darkness is kind of a gonzo takeoff of uh, Ray Harryhausen films uh, mixed with the horror uh, genre. Again, this is more horror than science fiction, so it's interesting that it's on the list. But Bruce Campbell uh, is a force of nature. Uh, His chin and his attitude and his humor is incredible. Uh, nobody says groovy like he does when he cuts his arm off and attaches a sawed-off shotgun to it. Um, evidently, I think the title of the film was supposed to be Medieval Dead originally, but they thought Army of Darkness was um, a bit more accessible to the audience. Um, I think they're going to be making a remake of... Evil Dead eventually, and Bruce Campbell will have nothing to do with it, which I think will hurt it terribly. Shaun of the Dead is a perfect send-up of the whole zombie genre. It's hilarious, and then it takes a mid-swing, and it gets really touching. You really start to care about the people. You care about his mom and dad. Um... We have the wonderful Prime Minister from Doctor Who, and we have Bill Nighy, so there's a uh, nice Doctor Who co- connection there. And Simon Pegg is is fantastic. I also recommend checking out Hot Fuzz, uh, which is a big send-up of uh, every cop show uh, and the whole police <laughs> genre, crime genre, that's ever been done. Oh, yeah. Which is really, really a lot of fun, and uh, both 
worthy to be on here and lots of fun. Yeah. There's one one thing I really love in Sean that is the whole uh, uh his plan. Um I, I can't remember how it goes because it's been a while, but he basically talks everybody through exactly what they're going to do, and they're like, "Oh, well, what happens if this happens?" But at each every, each and every one, they basically end up at the pub, being holed up at the pub, and they're like, oh, "Why do we always end up at the pub?" It's like, "Well, because there's beer there." <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, anyone else want to come in on the, either of these two movies? I want to say Hot Fuzz is hilarious as well. Yep, it is. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move swiftly onwards. Um, just stopping quickly to mention uh, they're worth checking out. Uh, for more Bruce Campbell goodness, uh, uh, look no further than Eagle Dead 2. Uh, if you must look slightly further, then check out Bubba Hotep, where Campbell plays an aging Elvis Presley in a nursing home who teams up with a black JFK to fight a mummy. It's as awesome as it sounds. Uh, fans of Shaun of the Dead should definitely go give uh, Wright and Peg's uh, series space to try. It's not science fiction, uh, but it's one of the most profoundly geeky series ever made, and I will attest to that. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen space, you owe it to yourself to watch it. Um, all right. Number seven. And I kind of agree with this one being in the list. Uh, it's it's a stretch at being sci-fi, but hey, it's Groundhog Day. Um, I've got a clip for this one. Okay. Go ahead then, sir. It's Groundhog Day! Groundhog time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out... He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... Groundhog Day! In Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Ned Ryerson? Bang! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Langston? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connor? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. I'll stop it there because it's a long clip. Alrighty. Yeah, like I said, uh, great movie. Funny. Um, stretch the sci fi. Uh, but yeah, I, I, anybody in the room? Oh, I liked it. I think it's about the the one, apart from Ghostbusters, it's the one Bill Murray film that I really enjoy. I mean, um, this is right up his street. I, I think it is a brilliant film. Uh, I always love time travel films, anyway, so it gets my vote for that. And it's funny. And one would think that uh, being so repetitive, it would it would actually grate somewhat. But the way it's been um, interwoven. Uh, and, and revealing things as it goes along, and of course, Andy, and Andy McDowell is it? I never know pronounce her yeah. first name. Uh, she's uh, absolutely fab- fabulous as a counterfoil, and you see it's worthwhile him actually trying to win her over. But some really, really good uh, clips in it, and the way. I mean, uh, I love the part where he goes to this piano teacher and asks to to have a lesson, and of course, every every day, as far as she's concerned, he's having his first lesson. 
Mm. And then she's amazing. And then he goes into this room and he's playing this uh, this concert music or something. And then he sees her and then he switches to jazz. I mean, uh, I, I love that particular scene. Uh, I really did. I've, uh, it's one of those films where, you know, if you're a little bit bored one night and you think, uh, you, if you're like me, you've got a, a shelf full or a, a great more than one shelf full, a great big bookcase full of uh, DVDs. You're looking along and it's a film you can watch and re-watch, uh, even though it's repetitive. So um, I would put this, not, I'm not saying to put it in the top five of any comedy movies, but compared with the ones that are on this list, I would put it uh, further up the list. And Davros right. might need unmuting, and it looks as though they've yep. dropped out and come back, back in. Again. It's a day for that kind of thing. Right, while we're waiting for Davros to unmute, anybody else got a, a fan of Groundhog Day? Definitely. Um, I don't think it's just a good sci-fi comedy movie, but I think it's a great movie. Bill Murray, this is the movie that made me think of Bill Murray as a fine actor, not just a really good comic actor. And the whole film, he's such a creep in the beginning. I mean, he really is. And he's annoying, and he's funny, and it's his whole journey becoming a real good human being. And watching the film and realizing this day repeating over and over again that he could be there tens of years, hundreds of years, maybe in a maybe a thousand years, repeating this day because he becomes an expert pianist. He becomes perfect as an ice sculptor. He knows everyone in the town. And the film changes from its comedic... This is, I think, maybe some of the best comedies. They don't just push the button of comedy. They go into a whole sense of pathos and even tragedy. He sees this homeless man who, who dies. And he's trying to change reality every time to feed him, to get him medical help, to do whatever he can, and it always winds up the same way. And he learns a sense of humility from this. And his wooing of Andy McDowell, who is so sweet, pretty, and so touching in this, it it really it breaks the heart. It's a really a good couples movie too. It's really romantic and a lot of fun. Uh, I can't recommend this some more. It's it, it's a uh, wonderful film. Wonderful film. Okay. Uh, Davros, you've made the effort of getting back in on audio. Thank you for that. Is this a film you want to comment about? Uh, I do like the film quite a lot. Um, in fact, I just recently watched it. Uh, I know Ian has mentioned he has a Roku. I'm a Roku user as well. and uh, just uh, It's on, uh, at least it was, on uh, Crackle. And I watched it on there. Uh just a couple of weeks back, and it's it's still funny. I think it, it stands the test of time, and I think it's. Uh, I agree with you, Dave. Uh, much like Ghostbusters, I think it's one of one of Bill Murray's finest as a comedic actor. But it's just it's great, great movie. Love it. Good, Kobo. Do you want to come in on this one? It's a great movie. I've only seen it a couple. Not so loud. Just speak normally, please. It's a great movie. I've only seen it a couple of times, but it got me through a couple of long days. On the therapy table. Excellent. Okay, Jeff. 
anybody. We, we we don't want to ask everybody. We want to just people to jump in when they 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 have a you know either well if they've got a strong negative as well. But I loved what don't Ken wait to be said. asked. Right. I love what Ken said. He he uh, just described this movie perfectly. I I really can't say much more about it. I, I agree with everything he said. It's just a great film to pull off the your your bookshelf maybe once a year or find it on TV and and just watch it because it just does stand the test of time. It's a great film. It never wears out. Uh and it's just a lot of fun and it's great to see this character evolve from what he was, this arrogant person at the beginning of the film and to go through all these trials and learn things and become a compassionate person. It's just a fabulous film, and I highly recommend it if no one has, if someone has not seen it, rather. Okay. All righty. If nobody has any protests, we'll move, move swiftly on. on. One other thing. It should oh. be higher in this list. Um, yeah. Maybe in, maybe number three or four. Here, here. I mean... With it being in this list, yes. Um, yeah, that's I, what I meant. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a, a Darth. No offense, Darth, but uh, I, I think you'd probably agree with me. It, it's stretching it to say it's a, it's a sci-fi comedy. The, the, the premise is the only one is really science fiction. Him, you know, having this deja vu repeating the day over. So, ah. but it's in this list. So yes, it should be higher. I'm just nitpicking on the. the fact it that actually could be ranked as fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, number six, Tremors. Uh, of all the homages to uh, 50s monster movies, Tremors was one of the first and is still the best. Uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward make a wonderfully stupid, profane pair as they try to evade the massive earthworms that have come to devour their desert town. The other 12 residents of Perfection Nevada are just as fun to watch, with the survivalist couple and their well-armored rec room a particular highlight. The film uh, reverently captures the charm of old monster movies without resorting to cheap parody for laughs. Instead, the humor comes from exploring how actual people might react to being attacked by 50-foot earthworms, and the results are pretty damn hilarious. The gloriously terrible special effects are also part of the appeal of Tremors. Uh, if, as is sadly inevitable, they ever remake Tremors, I can only hope uh, the Graboids don't make the leap to CGI. Some things really ought to be sacred. Um, I have not seen this movie or any of the sequels. Uh, I am aware of them. But uh, So anybody from the room, just jump right in. Well, I I'm not, sorry. I'll go on, Koba. I would not consider this a comedy. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I have to agree with that, and to me, it was a bad film. Yeah, it, it, it sounds uh, as what we're three saying. Then, if it was a comedy, it was unintentionally funny. Hmm. Yeah, I got more bad horror film than anything comedic in of itself. Right. I think the this... only thing funny about it is they made sequels. <laughs> well, and, and the characters' reactions to the earthworms is kind of funny, and 
Reba McIntyre actually uh, does a, a pretty nice job in this. It's it's a it's a gross out Saturday afternoon kind of fun straight to DVD type of movie. That's how I always viewed it. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have it on this list. No, no. What I remember is I, I, I've never seen it, but I was at the cinema and I think there was they were doing a trailer for this. And I remember thinking, that's too frightening. I'm not going to go and watch that. Because uh, I don't like horror films. To me, it was more like Alien. It's more horror than science fiction. So I'd put it as horror for a start. And to me, they didn't seem, certainly in the trailer they showed at the time, there didn't seem to be any horror elements other than the poor acting in it. So um, I'm, I, I'm not too sure it should be, unless, of course, as it said, it can be viewed as unintentionally uh, a comedy film. Yeah, I, I've got to, I've got to interject something something that's really should be on this list that has been missed. And since we talked about Rick Moranis earlier, the musical version of the Roger Corman film Little Shop of Horrors, which has a science fiction bent to it, is a really nifty uh, musical sci-fi send up. Great effects and puppet work uh, by Henson Studios, and it's missing off this list. And it is a blast with, with, with genius performances and great singing, especially by Ellen Green in it. And to have something like this on the list, people at IO9 need to get their heads checked. But there you go. Well, yeah, we have that, another, another yeah. list that we will yeah. read through very briefly at the end, but I don't yeah, think it's with, even on that, Ian. Yeah, we've, uh, I, I put another list in there. It's, it's just basically a, a science fiction comedy box office uh, list, which I, I dropped a link for uh, from Box Office Mojo to give basically people uh, an idea of looking through to see if there's anything they forgot, and we can cover we'll cover this at the end where we've got to interject... Um, uh, ideas that they have for this list and uh, in ways that uh, io9 kind of really kind of missed the boat on it um one of the reasons why we picked this list is because of that sheer fact a it's a very short list um and some of the things just uh, don't really add up right Trevor you... is mystery science theater 3000 worthy yes there you go right well uh, let me introduce the next one for you ian okay a little theme Ghostbusters haven't necessarily stood the test of time, uh, but the movie's endearing themes of who you're going to call and not being afraid of no ghosts have uh, kept it relevant well into the 21st century. 
Uh, Dan Erkroyd has always uh, struck me in interviews as being far more interested in the paranormal <laughs> than any normal person should be. It's possible his claims are, uh, that he sincerely believes will uh, will <laughs> we will soon be visited by ghosts are all part of his elaborate joke. Uh, but if so, it's uh, a serious commitment to to, to a bit. Uh, either way, uh, he and uh, Harold Ramis uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I've lost. Either way, his and Harold Ramis's complete belief in the seriousness of the ghostly threat lends the, fil- lends the film some much-needed authenticity. The rest of the cast, including Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, and Ernie Hudson, all get their moments to bring the funny. And nobody wastes the opp- their opportunity. Still, this is pretty uh, much completely Bill Murray's movie. Legend once had it that he didn't even read the script, instead electing to ad-lib all of his lines. Uh, that's since been denied by pretty much everyone involved. Um, but his hilariously natural, seemingly off-the-cuff readings uh, make it easy to see why the rumor took hold in the first place. Besides, he really made me rethink the wisdom of strapping an unlicensed particle accelerator to my back. And that's really just a public service. <laughs> Um, five. Um, I think should be reckless to the top because on sheer. I'm sorry, Ghostbusters took over um, the world. Um, it was everywhere. I mean, I had a Ghostbusters T-shirt when I was a kid. Uh, it was just everywhere. Um, I had video games. I. Everybody knew this. The, the, the same tune was in the charts, it, and it's still a fantastic movie. Uh, you can still watch this thing. Uh, yeah, I, not having looked seriously at the other list, I could I could really kind of put this at number one without too much hesitation. But I might find something in the other list. But for now, I'd say yeah, stick this at number one and get off my back. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, when we went as a family to uh, the United States. Uh, in the early 90s, we took my son with me. I think there were three things he wanted to see. He wanted to see the E.T. ride. You know, I'm talking about the Disney World type stuff. Mm-hmm. E.T. ride. He wanted to see uh, Kit, the car Kit from Knight Rider. And he wanted to see the Ghostbusters uh, place. I think those were the three top of his list things to see. I mean, yeah. that was it. Um, um, I, I don't know what... Perhaps the Ninja Turtles, I can't remember whether they were, they were out then, but that was the other big thing. <laughs> okay, anybody jump wants in, to everyone. jump in? Because of time issues now. Uh, yeah, I, Ghostbusters is one of my number ones of all time, and a few of my friends as well. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple of years ago when the Ghostbusters video game came out, I made sure to pre-order it at my local game store because it came with a free Ghostbusters the video game official t-shirt and a lanyard. And I was so excited to get that that I decided I had to pre-order it just to get that. So Ghostbusters no, I is... Yeah. No, I wish I'd pre-ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> the t-shirt wouldn't fit now, Ian. <laughs> What are you saying? Uh, <laughs> anyway, just jump right in, everyone. Anyone, Jeff? Hey, Ghost, Ghostbusters is okay. like like Ian said, just great, great film. Um, I think the effects stand up still, and it's the film that made Sigourney Weaver sexy. Uh, 
before Galaxy Quest. <laughs> and, That's not in the list either. Blimey. Yeah, and um, got the Grime of Alien offer. Let her have a lot of fun with Zuli. Um, Rick Moranis again. The, what what happened to him? Where is he these days? Maybe maybe I'm missing what he's doing. Um, he he was like a comedy treasure there for a while, and the movie looks awesome. The, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is, is just kind of iconic from our dreams. Um, Ed, what's really a hoot about the film, it's really a good representation of the work of H.P. Lovecraft. Done. Well, guys. Yeah, done in a, in, a, in a comedy fashion. And the movie looks so nifty. The set design was done by John DeCure, who's an Academy Award-winning set designer who did the sets for King, of, King and I. So they really got an amazing crew together to do this movie. The, the cast is so hilarious, especially Bill Murray. Um, his non-sequiturs, deadpan stuff is so good. So it, it's a blast. The, the movie is a classic. Brilliant. Uh, Kobo, were you saying that you didn't have me? Yes, okay. Uh, okay. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us, Kobo. We'll see you next week. See bye, Kobo. Bye. All right. Bye, bye. Bye. All right. Uh, I just Kenneth, want to add that um, I have a. My, yeah, I've done. I've done. I have a real problem with ordering the top five in this list. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's not a good list. I mean,. Well, no, I, I, I think, uh, with one exception, the top five of this list is really good. I just can't uh, fathom how to order those uh, those four out of the five. I, I think this should be higher than fifth. Uh, it was a fabulous film. Um, I catch it every once in a while on TV, and I rewatch it. it it's very funny. The cast is just great together. Um, I, I I really like this film. I, I, I think it should be higher than fifth, but I'm just not well, sure well, I where to put it there. in the top four. Because I don't think okay. the next one I, I don't think the next one we're going to talk about should be in the list because uh, before Ian introduces it, uh, we've we've done this before where we've talked about sci-fi, uh, sorry, comedy sci-fis and sci-fi with comedy elements. Uh, well, and I've got a feeling that number four should be classed as that. Well, I agree with you, Dave. Uh, I really like what's uh, the number four film, and I, I, I agree it should be lower than fourth, uh, but where you rank the, the other uh, not three the with theme. this film, I, I don't know. They're all really good. Uh, Any more comments on Ghostbusters before we move? Um, I like I really enjoyed the Ghostbusters film. Good, um, ben. Yeah. Also, one thing I just want to add. Um, I see Rick Mars hasn't done anything since 2006 in films. Hmm. He must be getting on a bit now, is he? He must be in his mid to late 60s, is he? Um, Maybe he's retired. Yeah, he's both... Yeah, he was around 60, I think. He's born in 53, 
question to I M C I M C B. Oh God, that makes me feel old. Yeah. This is from uh, Wikipedia about why Rick Moranis left uh, his career. It says, uh, Rick officially left the film industry in 1997, six years after the 1991 loss of his wife, Anne, to uh-huh. liver cancer. He later explained that he began to pull out of making movies in about 96 or 97. I'm a single parent. I just found out I just found that it was too difficult to manage raising my kids and doing the traveling involved in making movies. So I took a little bit of a break, and the little bit of a break turned into a longer break, and then I found that I really didn't miss it. Well, that's a good decision. If he can support his family, that's the best thing to do. Exactly. I mean, you can't can't, uh, fault the man on his his reasons. Yeah. It's just a shame that it had to come to that, you know, that, uh, yeah. Alrighty, I think uh, we shall move yeah. swiftly on with to. Uh, would you like to do number four, Dave? Yeah, go on, give you a break. Uh, number four, uh, I don't even agree it should be on the list. As I say, I think this is one of the great, great uh, episodes of Star Trek series of films. It's Star Trek for the Voyage Home, uh, and amazingly enough, one would think that it wouldn't have been a great one because. Uh, they come, they come back to Earth, and there's actually quite a sad story behind it. But um, let me just read: uh, it's a rare science fiction franchise that has the guts to make one of its big budget movies into a fish out of water comedy. But that's exactly what Star Trek does here. I'm not sure anyone would have guessed the series would have concluded the loose trilogy begun in the wrath of Khan, 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 with a light-hearted time travel story about saving humpback whales in the 80s. San, sorry, in 80s San Francisco, and I really doubt anyone would have guessed that such a movie would end up being one of the best Star Trek movies. Doesn't this person know if it's got an even number, it's a good one. It's got an odd number, it's a rotten one. Gosh, I thought everybody knew that. Um, it helps that the entire cast has so completely grown into their roles. William Shatner is legitimately as good Captain Kirk here, and he plays a uh, newfound willingness not to take himself too seriously. I think that was quite a bit of it, the fact that he, we pricked his pompous bu- bubble somewhat. I mean, there's some great scenes, aren't there? I'm not going to read anything else. Uh, there's the great re- bit with Spock on the bus where they've got this annoying bloke playing his ghetto blaster, and for all of those of you in the room that's under 30... Ghetto Blaster was what people used to listen to. Great big noisy with speakers before things like iPods were invented. And they would annoy everybody else on the bus. Uh, there's a great thing with Chekhov asking, where is the American submarine base? In a, <laughs> a Russian accent. And he pro- uh, gets, and of course, who can forget? We had the new Gale Wessels. The new Gale Wessels. And then... Uh, uh, Scotty wants to see, use the computer and the captain says, no, 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 no. Use the mouse. So he picks the mouse up and says, hello, computer? <laughs> I mean... Uh, use the keyboard. Job. Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were some great... But I, I must admit, I don't think of it as comedy sci-fi. But other opinions in the room, please. I think it was a good mix of comedy and action. Uh, and it just, in in some ways, it was the perfect Star Trek film, especially after the seriousness of the two prior films. I have a 
bit of a bone to pick with you, Dave. Um, the odd-numbered films, they're not all bad. Number three was very good, and the first one had its charm, especially in the director's uh, oh, the first DVD one. Oh, like release. The first one, yeah. Well, that was a homage uh, to the Enterprise, that. Sorry, I take it back on the first one, definitely. And, and number 10, a lot of people have problems with it. Not me personally, but a lot of people did not like the 10th film. Uh, but, yeah, th- this was... Uh, something to uh, get a broader audience out to watch uh, a Star Trek film because it did introduce a lot of comedy. And uh, I, I think it was, until maybe Star Trek VIII, um, the highest-grossing Star Trek film. And uh, they they did a great job with this film. Leonard Nimoy is second, second Star Trek uh, directing uh, film. And... Uh, I, I watch it whenever I it's on TV. I've got it on DVD. I pull it out every once in a while. It, it's a great film. And I don't think it's the top five or top four in this list, but uh, I do think it should be in this list. Okay. What about Davros or anybody else? I just think uh, regardless if you're under 30 or not, any self-respecting Doctor Who fan should know what a ghetto blaster is. <laughs> <laughs> I get an interesting little bit of factoid that I've been hanging on to for years and years and years, and, and it, it, it's growing. Um, Kirk Thatcher, the guy with the ghetto blaster, the punk with the ghetto blaster, is more to meets, than meets the eye to, to Kirk Thatcher. Um, huge in the Muppet world, um, co-producer on, uh, on um, Muppets Tonight. Uh, I mean, supervising producer on, on Muppets Tonight. Uh, worked on um, Dinosaurs, the TV series. Uh, was actually uh, associate producer of Voyage Home. Um, so more than just the the guy with the ghetto blaster. Um, a very very talented man in his own right. Um, so yeah, that's Kirk Thatcher. Uh, I just want to read out. I mean, I must admit, I was thinking about the original Star Trek ones rather than. The, the next generation ones, but Darth has put uh, and nine uh, Star Trek nine uh, is as good as his eleven. Um, uh, guest twenty twenty one, you're welcome to be in the room with us. Uh, we're not unmuting guests at the moment because we have had issues with them uh, coming in, but you're welcome to listen along. We're getting towards the end of um, a list from uh, io nine dot com of uh, the ten greatest science fiction comedies. Uh, we've just been talking about Star Trek 4. So that's to guess 2021 that have just joined us in the room. So anybody else want to talk about that before we move on to 3? I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Um, I kind of uh, I kind of get what, where, where Dave's going with this as far as is it intentionally... I mean, yes, there are humorous elements in this. Uh, so can you call it uh, a sci-fi comedy or is it a sci-fi movie with some comedy elements? Um but since it's on the list, I think it's uh, it's pretty good word. Is you know at least it's in the top five. Uh, yeah, um, it shouldn't some of the other ones that are you know closer to the top on this list shouldn't be ahead of it. But you know, that's uh, by the by. So uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, again, it's one of those, it's an easier watch Star Trek movie um, that you know they poke they poke a bit of fun and. Uh, uh, there be whales here. Sorry, <laughs> say that. Oh, and, and one of the, the funniest lines that I always remember from it is after they the line the, the Klingon bird of prey in, in the park. Um, 
and the, they uh, they're walking away. Uh, Kirk says, "Okay, everybody, remember where we parked." Landing cloaked, and you see that the, the trash can gets squished, and then the imprint. <laughs> oh, dear. Jeff, are you Jeff. saying something? I have something. Um, whether or not where it has to be on this list or whether it should be, it, it, it's it's a wonderful film. And it's the Star Trek film that really brings in the non-Trek audience because of the situation, what it's saying about humanity, the, the little bit of the humility learned by uh, the human race that, well, the probe's not talking to us. It's talking to the most important uh, creature on the planet, which is no longer here, a whale, which, which is a, a really neat message. And the funny banter with all the crew, uh, Kirk ordering the pizza and mentioning uh, about, well, I, I learned how to swear from Jacqueline Suzanne. Spock uh, referring, ah, the greats, ah, the greats, Harold Robbins, Jacqueline Suzanne, the greats. Just wonderful, pointed, uh, Swiftian-type commentary uh, on uh, fish-out-of-water situations. And like you said, the scenes with Chekhov uh, looking for nuclear vessels in Alameda. And um, poor Chekhov. He's always running into so much trouble. He gets creatures in his body, and he's screaming, and he's almost falls to his death. He, Chekhov never gets a break. He really doesn't. But what a fun film. What a fun, fun film. That's about it. Okay. Ian? Do you want to move on to number three? I'm just checking to see whether we've lost Ian on audio. He's still showing Sorry, on audio. Sorry, the damn mute button that I had pushed. Damn it. <laughs> Technology failure. Or operator error, whichever. Uh, <laughs> number three. Uh, Woody Allen only uh, once turned his attention to the science fiction genre, uh, but it was more than enough to show he knew what he was doing. Supposedly a wildly distorted adaptation of When the Sleeper Wakes by H.G. Wells, uh, Alan's story hits upon pretty much every science fiction trope that doesn't involve space, from cryogenics to dystopias um, to changing sexual mores to slapstick robots. It's all here, and it's all hysterical. Uh, the decision to freeze his character in 1973 and awaken him in the 22nd century was undoubtedly part of the movie's success, as it would have been impossible to believe uh, such a stage representation, uh, rep- repressive future society could ever create an oddball like Alan's trademark character. Besides, Alan's uh, unique status allows him to return to uh, similar territory he tackled in Bananas as he becomes the world's unlikeliest revolutionary. Has anyone here seen this? I've seen it a long, long time ago, and it's one of the few Woody Allen ones that I like. I mean, having said that, he's done different genres, hasn't he? He's done a lot of these sort of... Uh, um, in Hollywood, uh, was it New York ones? And so most of them based in New York. 
But yeah, I, th- I thought it was extremely funny. Can't remember it yeah. in too great a detail, but. It is currently, uh, for those of you who have Netflix, it is currently streaming on Netflix. I have to agree with Dave. I saw this, oh, it must have been 10, 15 years ago. They were showing it late night on one of the odd channels, and uh, I just turned to it and was watching it, and I was just rolling on the floor laughing. It deserves to be this high. It was just hysterical. Mm. And I realise I agree with Darth Dallas, but in, uh, it is one of the lesser Woody Allen films. Uh, if you're a sci-fi fan, you might like it, but if you're a Woody Allen fan, it's it's no Midnight in Paris. I agree, yes. I mean, they're, they're a different genre, um, but it's not that I don't like those Woody Allen films. It's that, That's not my sort of film to watch. But uh, I agree, uh, uh, there's some great scenes. I believe the Midnight in Paris one is the one where they have the dancing scene where they suddenly float off uh, off the ground. I think that's the right one. I have seen a few of the Woody Allen ones, uh, and he is, uh, no doubt about it, some of the great, uh, a great director. But uh, in terms of the science fiction film, this is one of the few of his that I've enjoyed. T. Idaho in chat says, Sleeper is a classic. <laughs> and Darth says, hard for a Mancunian to identify with a neurotic New Yorker. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. <laughs> Thank you, Darth. One chance I have to say, I've never seen the film. Um, also, Ian, um, I was just looking at Netflix for Ireland. I don't see it listed over here, which is a pity. Uh, what the the other link we were talking about? Yes, for those who have just come in late, we we may briefly look at this second list, the the box office mojo list. Are you talking about? Um, no, sorry, the phone number three sleeper and the list you're t- what are you talking about now? Yes, uh, it's below below um, below Star Trek. Yeah. Let me put the link in again, just in case. You've had to reboot something. Um, and poor old Davros well, is having to I, reboot I, his audio again. So go ahead, Devin. Davros, are you okay? Are you audio back with us? Hi. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying a new service, and I think I'm going to dump it and go back to the old service come next week. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to comment about Sleeper while you've got the call, and then we'll give Ben another chance to finish off what they were saying? Was... Davros? I uh, really to... don't have much to say about it. I've only ever seen bits and pieces, never seen it all the way through. I uh, liked what I saw, but that's uh, pretty much all I got. Okay. Right, Ben, I, I wasn't quite understanding. You, uh, have you have you been able to find it on the list now? Um, yeah, I've got the list up. Like... Ah, good. Any comment? Right. I think we'll move on to number... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I well, think I think he hadn't seen it, but he was... He okay, well, let, let, let's, let's move on then. Yep. Time is oppressing. Yep. All right, coming in at number two, it's the Star Trek stand-up Galaxy Quest. And I'll read what they say here. Galaxy Quest is a rare trifecta. It's a great science fiction comedy. It's a brilliant comedy about science fiction, and it actually works as a pretty decent science fiction film in its own right. The film never loses sight of its uh, parody of Star Trek's most cliched tropes, 
or its affectionate uh, skewering of the various neuroses of the has-been actors. And it's a tribute uh, to Galaxy Quest's comedic dexterity that uh, it perfectly balances both threads. It's also about a million times better than any film starring Tim Allen should be. There's more, but uh, I'll let people just jump in on this. Um, Otherwise, it just ends up me reading stuff. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot. Sorry. Go on. Go on. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this film when I saw it the first time. Uh, I remember watching it a few times as well. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, we're not rushing you, but we we are not hanging about, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is awesome. It's great. Love it, love it, love it. It's just like Spaceballs. I've seen it a trillion times. Uh own the collector's edition. I have a poster of it, actually, up in my little man cave. And I love, I love Galaxy Quest. It's awesome. By Gruntsar's Hammer. <laughs> I declare this supermarket open or something like that. <laughs> I'm doing supermarket openings and everything. And Sigourney Weaver, uh, I, I'm not normally attracted to Sigourney Weaver, but in this, she's kind of hot. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that was her <laughs> for a while when I was watching the film. She just looks so different in this film. So healthy, one would say. Yes. Yes. Um, one of the Alan Rickman is fabulous. Oh, so funny! One of the best Star Trek films ever, in all honesty. Um, totally hilarious. Everybody is 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 just great in this film. Alan Rickman. When you look up "droll" in the dictionary, it says Alan Rickman. Um, the way the way he gives a line or just arches an eyebrow uh, can just put you on the floor. This is one of those movies, every time it's on, even though I own it, I'll watch it. And the the effects are so much fun. Great send-up of Star Trek. And again, um, as with some other comedies, it's really touching by the, by the time it ends. When they start to really become the people that they play in the Star Trek-type TV show. They really get into the role, especially Alan Rickman. He really becomes that character, and it's it's a wonderful film. The tragedy, why no sequel? Really, why no sequel? Uh, I was I was thinking the opposite, Ken. The film is perfect on its own, and I just don't think it needs a sequel. I just enjoyed these people and this universe so it's much. It's a toss-up between you really want to see them do it again, but, you know. Sometimes you can't go home again. Yeah. <laughs> but, also, further uh, down the list, they do make a, a mention of Tony Shalhoub and, and Sam Rockwell. Tony Shalhoub is, is, is great in this, too. He's just got this complete deadpan kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever, just go with the flow kind of guy. Don't really care. <laughs> and he's just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Never give up. And, and, Never Rock, and Rockwell is the red shirt, terrified yes. he's really going to die. And the look on his face at the end when he actually has a part. He's in the show. Everything yes. is cool. <laughs> 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 and, 
and Tony Shalhoub, uh, his character's romance with the with the alien um, girl who is so cute, and I think it was Rockwell makes the comment when they're kissing, and all of a sudden she starts to change in her real form, and she's <laughs> hugging him with tentacles, and Rockwell <laughs> just goes, "Oh, that's so wrong." <laughs> <laughs> It's making me laugh as they go on the movie. It, it, it's so much fun. It's great. Oh, yeah. Um, That's about yeah, all I have to say. The only other person who I really want to make a comment on, because I didn't really recognize him, and I'm probably going to uh, absolutely butcher his name, Enrico uh, Colatoni, um, who most of you will probably have seen him in um, Just Shoot Me. It uh, was a sitcom uh, from a few years back. Um, he's basically the, the, the head alien. And it's great. Um, just, I don't know, it's just fantastic. It's like it wasn't until halfway through the movie. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's it's him. You know? um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a great movie. And uh, Is that his voice? Is his voice not modulated? I don't know. Great if boy. it's not modulated, then that's a skill. Because um, uh-huh. you just... You know, and so... Yeah, it'd be interesting to know whether whether uh, that was the case or not. Interesting kind of trivia uh, fact about the film. The alien designs were done by British comic artist Simon Bisley, who's really popular for a lot of work that he does with Judge Dredd and his own uh, character, uh, Slane, this barbarian hero, because the aliens look so cool. They're really well done, especially the uh, the alien leader. Right. Yeah. yeah. Really good. I think when they when they first get up there, they're like, oh, this is a great, uh, you know, because you know, they just think they're just fans and they put a lot of work <laughs> into this replica of the ship. <laughs> You, you would have thought if this had got to high, why something like I don't know Mars Attacks, which I put in a, a similar sort of vein to this, mm. then isn't on the list. Mars Attacks is. Yeah, anyway, don't let me go on about Mars Attacks. <laughs> no, but it, I, I would put it as a similar sort of movie. But there, you know, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, another, another thought about puts, go on. No, go on, another Ken. thought about Galaxy Quest is how they show the fans. Um, geeks, but very lovable, intelligent geeks who who save everybody at the end. And there's that touching moment when Tim Allen, as the captain character at the end, acknowledges and bows to the fan he insulted in the beginning. Like, thank you so much for all you did. It's what he's saying, and it's that's such a nice moment there at the end. That. Uh, that that happens in the film. Because it's not just painting uh, us fans as uh, uh, filmic dweebs, which, which oftentimes they do. So, hooray for us. Yep. Okay, I think we're going to have to move on to... Yes. I think because we're going to have to be very quickly, I think, for Ian's sake. <laughs> oh, I'll just quickly add, the only time I've seen Alan Rickman funnier is in Dogma. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's fantastic in the All right. 
coming in at number one, which shouldn't be on this list at all, and it's going to surprise a heck of a lot of people in this room, is Back to the Future. I'm sorry, it's not a comedy. It's a science fiction movie. It's not a comedy. Sorry, shouldn't be here. <laughs> comedy elements. It's got comedy elements, yeah. but it's not a science fiction comedy. <laughs> oh, no, no, uh, Gareth, I didn't say, with, uh, I, I didn't say uh, it's his finest, his finest work. I said he. the only place I've seen him funnier is in Dogma, which he's yeah. hilarious. Oh, hang on, and, here, hang on, Ian. Darth what? doesn't know anything about Dogma. Sorry, Darth, I had to say that. That was just so funny. Uh, no, you're right. Rick, 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 man, uh, Rick Wakeman is absolutely brilliant in uh, Harry Potter. I think he was fabulous in Harry Potter. And I would agree, absolutely agree with Darth there. But you were talking about his comedy elements. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to the future. Oh, um, oh me? This is funniest work. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think he's fantastic at talking about it. It's just brilliant. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the future. Um, yeah, I've said my bet. I, everybody knows how I feel about this movie. It's fantastic. It's my top movie of all time, and it has no place on this list. Uh, I have. I take the opposite view, Ian. I, I see it as a comedy with science fiction elements. Um, now, the second film might be the other way around. There was a lot more science fiction elements to that one with comedy thrown in. I don't think you're going to convince him, but the, you, no. you, there is an argument. There is an, there is an argument to say that, Jeff, and I, I don't think you're probably alone. But uh, I mean, I, I would side with Ian on this one because uh, same with the Star Trek. It was, you know, it, I suppose it really what what it is is a teen sci-fi movie rather than a comedy sci-fi movie. If I, I could see that, certain. I could see okay. that. Yeah. Anybody else want Ben? You haven't spoken for a bit. Any thoughts on Back to the Future? Um, I really enjoyed like the film. Um, I actually think it's a comedy with science fiction ends, especially when Marshy goes back and starts finding out about his father. Okay. But, and Davros? Uh, Back to the Future also uh, is one of my tops. It, it also has its poster in my man cave. Uh, it's a, it, it's, it's one of the best. I like the whole series of movies and uh, um, for anybody that enjoys uh, gaming like I do, uh, the Back to the Future uh, role-playing game they put out a couple years ago is really good too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an awesome film. Right. And Darth sides with Jeff there. Um, it's clearly a comedy. It's lampooning time travel. It's not the time machine with funny bits. It's a commentary on time travel tropes. So, I mean, that's definitely uh, something that I would argue both ways. But the point is, it's, it, it's, it, I certainly wouldn't... I would like to know what Darth's opinion about Star Trek. Do you think Star Trek 4... Darth is just on text for those people listening to the audio. Do you think Star Trek 4, then, should be on this list or not, if you would be so kind to post that? Uh, and while we do so, I'm going to just assume we're near the end of this list. Let me just read out some of the, the ones that I thought of and why they aren't in this list. Why isn't Short Circuit in this list? Why isn't Weird uh-huh. Science in the list? Why isn't Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in this list? Why isn't Barbarella 
in this list. Uh, honey, I shrunk <laughs> the kids. Why isn't that in the list? I don't think anybody else wants to throw theirs out. Howard the Duck. Oh, no, no. I love Howard the Duck. Plus it has Leah, Leah Thompson in her panties. Right. Uh, for Darth's benefit, Star Trek Four was on this list, <laughs> at Darth, and I didn't think that Star Trek Four was a comedy sci-fi. All right, good. No, Star Trek Four was a solid sci-fi core uh, and is the conclusion of a trilogy. Good. Right, we're on the same wavelength with that. Anybody else want to throw any ones in? And then I'm going to quickly, because I'm very aware of Ian's timeline here, uh, I'm going to very quickly read these 50 ones on this second list out. In fact, perhaps I'm, I'm I should do... I'm going to quickly well, grab a couple well, from there. Men in Black, um, definitely. Um, Men in Black 2, not so much. It wasn't as good. But Men in Black is, I think, needs to be on this list. And it's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Stupid, it's not. Um, I'm a big fan of my science project. It's it's schlocky. It's an mm. 80s comedy sci-fi movie. And it's a bit of fun. Um I'd put it on my personal list. I don't know, you know, how many people have seen it, but you know, inner space. Why isn't that there? You know, but definitely right. Howard the Duck should be on the list. Okay. Oh, uh, but go ahead, Dave. And I host put Blade Runner as a dark comedy. Gets an agreement from Darth. I'm going to apologise to those listening to the recording later because I am going to rattle through these fairly quickly. I'm going to start. Read it speed. Just Right, I, I'll start 50 and go upwards, shall I? Iron Sky. Uh, sorry, it's, I'm not going all the way down to 50. Let's go to, yeah. Uh, 51, uh, Morons from Outer Space. It, uh, 50, Idiosyncrasy, is it? 49, uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. 48, Mystery Science Theatre 3000. 47, Making Mr. Right. 46, Mum and Dad Save the World. 45, uh the brother from another planet. Forty-four Earth girls are easy. That should be higher. Oh yeah, definitely. What the hell's that doing at forty-four? Uh, Forty-three Tank Girl. Forty-two My Science Project. Forty-one The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I thought that bombed that one. Never mind. Uh, Forty Creator. Thirty-nine The Adventures of uh, Bookaroo Banzai. Thirty-eight uh, What Planet Are You From? 37, The Man with Two Brains. That's a Steve Martin film. 36, Meet Dave. Um, 35, The Watch. 34, My Stepmother is an Alien. I thought that would be a bit higher. Uh, 33, Ice Pirates. Pirates. 32, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Um, 31, Spaced Invasors. 30, Rocket Man. 29, Howard the Duck. 28, Zapped. Uh, 27, Multiplicity. 26, Coneheads. I thought Coneheads had quite a following, actually. Uh, 25, Short Circuit 2. 24, Weird Science. 23, Inner Space. 22, Airplane 2, the sequel. Now this one's surprising me. 21, Eternal uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Now I thought that one... I didn't know that was a a comedy, but there you go. Uh, 20, Junior... 19, My Favourite Martian. 18, Paul. Uh, 17, Paul Mars was, Attack. Paul was fun. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, 16, Spaceballs. Uh, 15, Evolution. I've got, I got that down. Uh, 13, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, 
12, bicentennial man. 11, honey, I blew up the kids. 10, the Stepford Wives. I didn't know that was a comedy. Uh, 9, Galaxy's Quest. 8, Flubber. 7, Twins. Uh, 6, the Nutty Professor. 2, the Clumps. 5, the Nutty Professor. 4, honey, I shrunk the kids. 3, men in black 3. 2, men in black 2. 1, men in black 1. Now, if you're wondering what the, uh, the list is uh, and why there's the ranking, it, uh, it, uh, box, it's from Box Office Mojo, and that list is Total Grosses. So that's the reason for the ranking. So it's not opinion, it's on the money they made. Yeah. So. But yes, well, I think uh, there's a bunch we want to go around the room, give you a chance to finish up being and, and, and let people make a choice, unless you're not that desperate for time yeah. well let me put in my bits and then, uh, then we'll go around the room um, uh, Paul I think is a, a decent movie whether it's the uh, top of any kind of list I think it's worth worth a look um, especially if you're a sci-fi fan and uh, yeah it's a good road trip uh, sci-fi comedy and Sigourney Weaver you just have to see it for excuse me. Uh, you have to see it for Sigourney Weaver in it um, because it's just that funny. Um, you mentioned. I mean, I know it's not on this list, but uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy does not deserve to be on any list anywhere. I hated that movie with a passion, um, probably because it just ruined the mental image of, uh, of um, all the others preceding it. Uh, Inner Space again, like I said, is great. Weird Science kind of grew up grew up on that movie. And short circuit, I, I I love as well. Again, that's kind of a yeah, anyway. But yeah, there's plenty of movies that are just really missing from this list, and I Stephanie. <laughs> nice software. Um, that just you know, there's just too many things I think that are just missing from 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 these this list, and it's I know it's a bit on the old side, um, but even so, there's plenty of classic sci-fi comedies that just didn't make it on this list and mm, appalling okay round the room in then please yes okay uh, final comments and uh, anything that you think that should have been on the list that wasn't starting with Ben Mr. Presenter um, I think Salt Tackers should have been on the list um, Men in Black, and also Conehead. Yeah. yeah Conehead's a real cult uh, following, hasn't it? I don't, yeah. Not to my taste, but it has a cult following. Yeah. I didn't quite get it, but then again, I didn't grow up in this country, in America, so, you know, it's kind of lost on me, but hey, you know. <laughs> we didn't get that show in New Zealand. Oh. Anyway, uh, Jeff. Well, I just want to mention something that uh, Darth mentioned in chat, and he says, oh, well, yeah, Star Trek Four is a sci-fi comedy, but it's not a sci-fi parody. So I, I think he might have misunderstood the question when you posed it to him. Um, looking at other, the other list, I think that Short Circuit should be on this list, definitely Men in Black. Uh, should be there. I, that's one of my favorite sci-fi comedies of all time. Um, and I'm going to uh, throw a shout-out 
uh, to something Dave said, Mars Attacks, that was a very funny film also. Really? Probably should have been in the top ten. <laughs> it's an odd movie, I'll give it that, but... <laughs> well, it's, it's all opinion, isn't it? I mean, I couldn't see why Bicentennial Man was in. I, I like that uh, film, Bicentennial Man. Um, I, just, I thought it was quite uh, poignant rather than funny. Right. Looking at this this second list, also, it, if you read at the bottom, it, it reads, Ghostbusters and its sequel are not being classified as sci-fi comedies. It's a close call. So I disagree with that, but... Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and Deborah puts in the chat, I would have liked to have seen Star Tro- Starship Troopers on the list. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> I don't blame you, sir. I don't blame you. All right. Um, Ken. Yes. Um, Men in Black is the really big sin of omission on the list. One of the best sci-fi comedies ever. Great film. Um, Earth Girls are easy. I think should yeah. have been on the list. Both Bill, Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted, yeah. Both Bill and Ted movies. In fact, it frightened me for years. How's there going to be a Doctor Who movie? Everybody's going to say you ripped off Bill and Ted. So <laughs> it made me so happy with Entertainment Weekly that, hey, the American consciousness is right with us now. We don't have that worry anymore. Um, Dark Star, kind of the. Precursor to Alien by Dan O'Banion is very funny, got indie sci-fi film. That should have been somewhere on, on a list, even on a second tier. But it, it's very funny as the alien is a big beach ball and the oh, surf yeah. and the stars at the end. Very quirky, fun film. As I said before, the film uh, of musical of Little Shop of Horrors the original Roger Corman yes. one is just strict horror, but the film ties in that this is an alien uh, from the stars, so there's the sci-fi element added to it, especially with the cut footage uh, sending up all the 1950s It Conquered the World type horror films and sci-fi films with the like uh, Day of the Triffids, etc. And I don't know if how funny it is, but you could say parody or satire, but there are science fiction elements to Rocky Horror Picture Show that uh, could put it on some aspect of a list, and it's pretty funny, quirky, you know, as it is, uh, just for the um, brilliance of the words and the uh, satire and the songs that could be on a list. Um, No others I can think of right now but, um, again, Men in Black, um, how that cannot be on the list, and how um, Ghostbusters uh, should have been uh, much higher. Because uh, Men in Black and Ghostbusters, it doesn't get much better than that. Thanks. 
Um, just a, 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 <laughs> a, a small note on the uh, on the sides of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I actually appeared in the stage version in Port Charlotte. Oh, hey. Wow. The voice of Audrey too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bravo. That, that's wonderful. Yeah, that was the it was the only time I think I've ever gone out for a role in a play that I would have only really have taken that part. Uh, um, and they, when they uh, um, they asked us all to come back and they were announcing who who got what part, uh, I heard that somebody else was doing oh such and such is doing Audrey, and I'm like oh man, found out that it was it was a friend of mine, Robert, uh, that he was actually going to be controlling the plant from the inside, and that's what they meant. But I got the part. Unfortunately, the only other guy that was auditioning for it had to drop out because of other commitments. So I never knew really if I got the part on my own merits or whether I was the only other person. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it was it was great to do. So you were a mean green mother from outer space. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a few times I actually get to sing in a show. And because I'm not a bad character singer, but I'm a lousy, just regular singer. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that, I, and so that one, that movie, especially has a, a special place in my heart, and you know, because of course the musical is based off the musical um, movie. So yeah, and it's All fantastic, right. and it should be on the list. Yeah, uh, thanks uh, for sharing okay. that. Thanks, Ken. Uh, ben, I don't think we've been back to Mr. Presenter. Uh, you've yeah, always been first. Ask me. Yeah, All right, okay. First. Yeah. first. Uh, so, uh, who, <laughs> who's not had a chance to uh, wrap you. up then? Me? Uh, well, uh, absolutely. Uh, what, it's one of these topics where you think it's going to be very simple to sort this lot out. You know, comedy, sci-fi, this, that, and the other. But as, as people have put, this, for those listening, there's an awful lot going on in text as well. I mean, whether a film is a parody of science fiction, whether it's actually a, a, a fantasy parody, or it's uh, sci-fi with humour. Uh, there's obviously interpretations there, but uh, the, the whole point about these lists—it's not a question of whether it's a great list or not. The point is, it gets us talking, and it's more—we're more concerned about what the people in the room think about the list, and and it's basically a sounding board for the topic. Uh, the only thing I really want to say now is just to remind people, and I'm hoping Darth is listening now because I want him hopefully to come on audio next week. Because the topic next week is sci-fi and fantasy, big names behind the camera. Now, we're not just meaning the person who actually works the camera. We're talking about, you know, the uh, people behind the camera that that have created some of the best uh, sci-fi and fantasy movies and their contribution to it. So, yep. All righty. Well, um... I think I said my piece. Yes, I did. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining us uh, for an extendedly long show. Um, I, I hope everything worked out and we didn't kind of mess the beginning up. Hey, it's a live show. We do what we can. Dave, do you have the outro at the ready? Because I don't. <laughs> I told you it's a live show, folks. Uh, yes, I do. I do. <laughs> And uh, now well, I just bought myself enough time to do it, so <laughs> but I'll let you play it anyway since I landed you with it. Again, thanks uh, everybody for showing up, even the people in the text chat. As you can see, that uh, participation is possible even in the text chat. Uh, we try to read out as much as we can. Um, so yeah, thank you all for showing up. Join us next week um, with big names behind the camera.
sci-fi, and fantasy. Until then, it's goodbye for Mr. Dave AC. It's goodbye for me and the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.